We're in France presents the Logcast. Hey, who's that in my house? Chainsaw murderer, and I'd like to wish you a happy Halloween full of blood. And now, our hosts. Hey, everybody, happy Halloween, and uh, welcome to yet another episode of the Logcast. Uh, this is uh, one of your hosts, David Jones, and uh, by me is Kev Rose. You want to say hi, Kev? No. No? Fair enough. It's Halloween. Everyone's supposed to be a little bit grumpy. I'm not grumpy. I just uh, I don't want to say hello because okay. um, I just don't feel like it. But I'm not grumpy. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, what you been up to this week? Uh, quite a lot, actually. Um, I feel like I haven't stopped. Um, well. I've been working quite a lot, as usual, hitting the gym. Uh, Halo 5 came out, and I've... God, I've been so busy, I've barely got to play it. Like, I got Halo 5, the midnight release, on Monday. and We're now recording Saturday night, and I've only done six missions. Yeah, I beat it in three days. Oh, <laughs> I could um, spoil the whole thing for you right now. Don't fucking do it. <laughs> but, like, I beat the first six missions, but, I mean, one of them was just, like, an extended cutscene. Yeah, there's there's about three missions like that that are just uh, extended cutscenes. But I guess there's, like, um, collectibles and stuff, or, like, the little journal entries, so you can still go it, around those areas and find things. Yeah, but it kind of pissed me off because I thought... Because, okay, there's 15 missions... And the fact that for the first time since the original Halo, the first level wasn't a cutscene. But and I thought, okay, they've learnt the lesson. And then yeah. <laughs> there's like three, you know, basic cuts. You know, they're basically cutscenes disguised as levels throughout the campaign. Well, I wouldn't go that far because you have a little bit more freedom of movement. It's not like you're playing an interactive cutscene with QTEs or anything. Yeah. Like, like it's literally you're in like a base or something. You're with the good guys. You're not shooting. You guys have your guns up, and you can just kind of walk around and talk to people and progress the story. But like that, say mission four, for example, where you talk to the hologram. Like, why couldn't that have been the final chapter of the previous mission? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there wasn't really any any reason to really number it. It seemed like you could just you know move it on uh, to the tail end of the previous mission and not count it as a number. That being said, I actually kind of liked them because I thought it was like a nice sort of break from the shooting to have like a little bit where you could just kind of like relax and talk to people. Uh, I don't yeah. know. But yeah, okay. I, I do I do agree that it was kind of deceptive to count it as a mission number than say your game is 15 missions mm. with three of them are pretty much just interactive like little base camp cutscene type things. Yeah, I mean... Um... So, you finished the game, what do you think of it overall, like, without giving too much away? Um, mechanically, I think it could very well be the best Halo game, as far as as gameplay goes, as far as the acts of shooting, movement, all that stuff. Mm. Um, I thought the story was a pile of dog shit, but really? <laughs> I didn't like where they took it. Well, maybe it's just 
it might just be me saying that. I don't want to give any too much away, but I didn't, I didn't care for where they took the story, and I Is felt. It- I felt people started to do things that they should not have done with how the characters had been previously established. So did did the story end on a cliffhanger, or has the story been wrapped up? Uh, yeah, well, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, it's not like Halo, Halo 2 style cliffhanger, but it there was a certain amount of things resolved, but quite a bit left unresolved. Okay. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's a bit weird how you don't really play as Chief that much. Yeah, it, that, that that's another weird thing, too. I mean, I don't know if we want to spend the whole intro talking about Halo, but... Okay, no, let's let's move on, then. Yeah. I, 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 I'm enjoying what I've played so far. But yeah, it's, much... it, it's a very fun game, and just because I didn't care, care, uh, care for the plot points doesn't mean you shouldn't play it, because purely from a Game Boy standpoint, it is very excellent. I just think that the writers felt like they didn't really understand the franchise <laughs> yeah okay well uh yeah moving on through the week um i went on thursday me and jim went to watch uh specter which oh. was excellent well have, have you seen it yet it's not out in the u.s yet fuck what when's it out uh next weekend i think uh Shit. Yeah, it's like the seventh, I think. It's like the sixth or seventh, maybe the fifth or something. Yeah, oh, it's like weird. the first week of November. But I think Bond usually, well, Skyfall got a worldwide release because the anniversary. Um, that's kind of weird. Was there another big movie this month that maybe why they pushed it back? Not that I can think of, to be honest. I'm trying to think if there's like I mean I don't always pay attention to the really huge movies, but I can't really think of anything people have been talking about. Because I think Sky, or I'm sorry, Spectre is going to be like the first big film this fall. So I don't know. Yeah, but I'll probably I'm probably going to see it uh, next weekend if I can. Yeah, it's it's a good movie, but it feels like it's trying to be too much like Skyfall because that was such a success. Um, and I think overall, it's not as good as Casino Royale or Skyfall. And I think I think the first sort of hour, hour and a half were excellent, and then it kind of fell apart at the end. Not to put a damper on it, it's still a really fun movie, but we'll we'll discuss it off air after you've seen it. There's a lot of plot points and retcons that don't make sense. It's like they kind of tried to they tried to tie the whole Craig era together, but in ways that don't really make any sense when you think about it. You know what, I think I'm a little bit okay with that because the Bond movies have always been only kind of loosely connected. Oh no, but the, in this case, it's a, it, I'm talking about they, they bring up specific plot points and events from the Craig movies and they put a new spin on them that doesn't make logistical sense. Uh, so, but we'll okay. talk about it after you've seen it. I don't really want to, you know, I don't yeah, want to yeah. ruin it. I'm actually, I'm still even if it's kind of lame. I'm still excited for Spectre to be back in the picture. Like yeah. they're the classic Bond villains, and it's been way too long since they've been in a movie. I'll tell you what, as well, the opening sequence. Well, we missed the first two minutes because we were queuing up for popcorn. But the opening sequence is possibly the best action set piece of any Bond film ever. Mm, that's saying that. a lot absolutely incredible i didn't even know it was coming out i'm not i don't think much of it was in the trailer but it's one of the most impressive things i've ever seen in film um it 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 just completely blew me away again i don't even want to tell you the context because it totally surprised me 
Um, and then later on in the movie, there's an amazing car chase through Rome. Um, the recurring cast get a lot more to do. Like, Q's fleshed out a lot more. Um, Mallory, you know, the new M, he gets lots to do. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good movie, cast-wise. Um, I will say, I think Christoph Waltz phoned it in a bit, which I was hugely surprised about, because I love that actor. Hmm. I don't think he was on top of his game, but... See, if anyone I thought was going to phone it in, I thought it would be Daniel Craig, because it seemed like he didn't really care about doing Bond. Excuse me, about doing Bond. It was Daniel Craig's best performance. Really? It was was his best turn as Bond. It's weird. (laughs) I think it's right after that. He's like, yeah, I'd rather slip my wrist to do another Bond film. I was like, oh, great, he's going to phone it in. He was only kidding, though. That's the thing. That was taken out of context. (laughs) Like, I think if he... The thing is... If he genuinely didn't want to do another movie, which has been rumoured for a while, he wants out. But I think he would act professional. And when asked, he'd say, well, we'll see what happens. I don't think he'd make that kind of statement if he knew he was leaving, because it just seems really unprofessional. Yeah. I think he'll do one more, and then he'll be done. Maybe he'll top Roger Moore's record. Maybe we'll get eight. Eh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Craig's already getting pretty old, and it seems like the time in between Bond movies has been increasing a lot lately. Like, it actually used to... Wasn't it like they would come out, like, every two or three years, and now it seems like they just kind of... Well, I guess Skyfall was 2012, but I don't know. Yeah, Casino Royale and Quantum were only two years apart. Okay. Um, the, the, the longest gap ever was between Dalton and Brosnan, and there was a six-year gap. Yeah, um, that's true. Okay, then, it just feels this. They just feel like there's not like a Bond movie as frequently as there was in the Pierce Bond, uh, Pierce Brosnan era. It could just totally be my imagination, though. Well, Brosnan, it was two years, then two years, then three years. Whereas Craig, it was two years, then four years, then three years. So it's kind. Of, hang on, let me think. Yeah, the gaps have been slightly longer with Craig, but. I think with Skyfall wasn't yeah there was an issue between Solace and Skyfall where like there was a problem with the production company and the rights and and Craig was really busy on some other projects yeah and, and MGM practically like nearly went bankrupt uh, yeah in between <laughs> so so there, there was a bunch of things that happened so I guess we can't really blame them too much well I think Skyfall was originally slated for 2010. But then when it got pushed back a little bit, they decided to hold off even longer to tie it in with the 50th anniversary, which kind of, you can understand from a marketing point of view, it makes perfect sense. Kind of like with Star Wars, it's the opposite way around. They pulled episode eight forward to get it out for the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. <laughs> so. Oh man, I can't believe the 40th anniversary of Star Wars is coming up. I can't believe in 18 months we'll have had three new Star Wars movies. I know, and if you think about it, there's actually three Star Wars movies in production at the same time right now, because, you know, Seven is being finished up in post, and then Rogue One and Eight are both shooting right now. Which That's is insane. And I love, I, I, I'm sorry, but I love that Mads Mikkelsen has been cast as the villain in uh, Rogue One, because I think he's just incredible. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to Rogue One a lot, just to... The fact that we're going to see um, the original trilogy error just shown for the first time with like the modern special effects 
in modern movie and just not i mean i force awakens is kind of going off of that a little bit but it's 30 years later it's just all the designs are a little bit tweaked and it's still not the empires and imperials now it's like you know the new republic versus the first order so it's a little bit different i'm just excited to see that classic uh skywalker solo era again and i'm sure they won't be in it but <laughs> unless they pull out some crazy cgi yeah or maybe they do some crazy shit with archive footage you know maybe we'll see the tentative four scene from another angle did did you hear that really crazy rumor going around about rogue run a few months ago that said they were gonna um digitally recreate uh a tarkin or peter cushing's character <laughs> no i don't know but, if that's true or not that was well, a that was a rumor though well i wouldn't be surprised i mean the in revenge of the sith they used a similar a similar looking actor with prosthetics so maybe they'd do something along that those lines maybe it would be an actor but they'd like use a digital face kind of like with what they did with arnie and terminator salvation but yeah. obviously look a lot better well the rumor was that it was like basically the most expensive single cgi creation and that it was actually his full body and that they used um they basically went back through tons of his old movies so that they could capture his motion from the old movies and then put that into the character. So not only does it look like him, but his movements are actually uh, using motion capture <laughs> from That'd old, old film. Yeah, I mean, it was never confirmed. It was from, like, you know, a source. So there was nothing was sourced from it, and it could be just complete, um, you know, make-believe. But I think, I, I for one actually think that would be awesome. As much as I think that the CGI uh, was overdone, the idea of like actually digitally recreating a, a dead person is kind of cool from a tech standpoint if they could pull it off. Well, I'd love it if they did it for the entire sort of Death Star board. Like, just get like Motti and uh, Wolf Yellerin and everyone digitally recreated. <laughs> yeah. So you think about it, it's kind of hard to uh, talk about the Death Star or anything with the Death Star without having Tarkin in it to some capacity. Well, yeah, I mean, he's so... T- I mean, let's be honest. Originally, when when The New Hope came out, Tarkin really was the main villain. I'm sorry, but Vader was his bitch in A New Hope. Like, I, I think looking back, at, looking back at it, it's easy to see, yeah, Vader was the villain, but... And when Star Wars first came out, Tarkin, he kind of seemed like the uh, the most imposing figure of the film. Yeah, I can see that. And it seems like there's been a bit of focus on his character lately. Like, they, there's a whole new novel out now that's uh, part of the new canon, just called Tarkin. That's just about his, like, early days going from, uh, you know, the Republic to an Imperial. Yeah. And he actually, he was in... I won't say a lot of episodes, but a handful of episodes of Clone Wars as well when he was a Republic uh, commander. So there's definitely a lot of backstory and character development there, and they definitely could take him forward some more. Yeah, well, I, I, I hope he shows up, yeah. but um, we'll see. <laughs> Alright, so we've talked about Halo, James Bond, and Star Wars. We've talked about everything except Rare so far. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, I guess this is a Rare and Friends podcast. We should really get onto Rare. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, any quick tidbits about your week? or? Um, probably, well, I played a lot of Halo, and I finished up uh, watching 
the Clone Wars, the Clone Wars animated series, I had like a season left and I finally finished that up. So okay. other than that, yeah, I'll oh, dude, I'll have to talk to you about it later, but I remember you, when we talked about it last, it was not an episode, but when we were playing a, on Xbox Live, you mentioned about the, uh, if Darth Maul ever met a Palpatine and where that would go. And I said, I don't think that it hadn't happened yet. And that totally happened in an arc. And it was, it was amazing. It was seriously better than most of the prequels that this, the last Darth Maul arc before the show got canceled. Mm. It was, it was dark. I couldn't believe that this, that was on cartoon network. Like it was like, well, obviously it wasn't like the gore level of game of Thrones, but it was almost that dark. <laughs> Shit, yeah, we'll really have to talk about that. Yeah, later. Darth Maul's a freaking psychopath, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> he, like, him as a character, there's really so much expanded in Clone Wars. Like, you get the feeling that Darth Vader is kind of like a spoiled brat who can't control his emotions, and that's why he's evil. And Darth Maul just seems like he's a sick bastard who wants to watch the universe burn. Alright, well, yeah. I look forward to... Uh... <laughs> yeah, you'll have to let me know about that later. Um, should we move on to the news? Yes, we should probably do that before the podcast is over. Okay, <laughs> right. So uh, this week has been quite a lot of news from various... Well, there's been one little bit of tidbit from uh, Martin Hollis and the rest is from Rare. But uh, yeah, first up, heading up the week was um, Martin Hollis did an interview at Game City in Nottingham. Uh, and he talked a bit more about the development of GoldenEye. Uh, well, actually, he talked about some pre-GoldenEye stuff, which was interesting. Um, first up, now, you know how we've always heard that story that Rare did an ACM demo of a boxing game to show Nintendo? Yeah, yeah, I know. I've I've heard that that numerous times. Well, he confirmed this week in that interview that it was Punch-Out! It was an ACM version of the NES Punch-Out!, I don't, did we know that before? I don't think we did. You know, I think I kind of missed that. When I, I think I, I read over the article, but I think I missed the punch-out part. Or maybe right. I just assumed, like, because my mind already had, like, an image of what that demo was, I kind of just, like, passed over it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that fighting game that they made to show off to Nintendo. But, yeah, it makes sense that they would go with punch-out. I wish that would get leaked somehow. <laughs> I want to see that. It seems like such an odd choice, though. I wonder why... Maybe because it was quite a simple game, rather than do like Super Mario Brothers or something. I guess the physics would be easier to recreate with something like Punch Out. It might have just been an easier way to show off, you know, to uh, show that they could make humans look that realistic with their ACM technology. So it might just been a way to like show off what they could do, rather than you know, saying that this is the game they wanted to make. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see something from that. But um, any anyway, um, yeah. Then Martin spoke about how they got the GoldenEye license at the same time as they were developing Killer Instinct, and Martin was ripped off that team and thrown onto GoldenEye. He said, like Tim Stamper, basically gave him a gave him the license and gave him like a spec, or like told him to create a spec document and said, right, make this a game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously we know that went through various changes. You know, it was originally a racing game for the snares, then for the Virtual Boy, and then eventually it ended. You know, it ended up being what we know today on the N sixty four. But he spoke about. Now, I really hope he's not joking. I think he's being serious because this is too brilliant to be a joke. He, it, it, I think he, it's got to be serious. It just sounds so, so like something Miyamoto would do. 
<laughs> right, so for anyone who hasn't heard this, basically, during the development of GoldenEye, Miyamoto was worried about the level of violence and how kind of unremorseful James Bond was. So he suggested that the final mission of the game should be Bond visiting a hospital and shaking hands with all the guards who he shot throughout the game. <laughs> that is just such a Nintendo thing. Who would think of that besides Shigeru Miyamoto? Oh, I, I, I kind of wish they'd have done it because it sounds so hysterical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it totally would have ruined the feel of the whole game, but at the same time, that would have been hilarious. Well, the thing is, someone made the point on DK Vine, I can't remember who it was, but someone said... If Rare had included this, we would have raved about it and said it was, like, you know, quintessentially Rare. It was their sense of humour down to a T. Um, It's only because we know Miyamoto said it that we see it as just funny and crazy. But if Rare had done it, we'd see it as, like, classic Rare. Yeah, probably that's true. (laughs) But, um, But he actually said they reached a compromise and he said the fact that all the characters pop up um, during the opening and the credits, um, as if they're actors, that was like an intentional choice to make it seem less real, like they're meant to be actors putting on a show. Okay, so. yeah, it's the whole like, like how how you know Iwata still claims that, or was it Iwata or, or um, I don't know if it was Iwata, but who, whoever it was that claimed that Smash Brothers is just trophies come come to life. It's like yeah, Sakurai like and Iwata said that. Yeah, but okay. I think we I think we're beyond that because of. Um, is it is it Kid Icarus or Fire Emblem where they reference the events of Smash Brothers? See, it's clearly just two, like two upper executives that believe that. Or I feel like it's maybe like people who work on the game are like saying that to the upper, the upper set Nintendo, even if they don't believe it themselves. Mm. Like, oh yeah, it's okay. They can hit each other. They're just figures. Like, no, they're real. We know it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, people who want them to just be trophies, and uh, I mean, doesn't that take away the fun of it? No, I want to believe that the Master Hand is like some interdimensional species that can open portals and pull people through different dimensions and force them to kill each other for blood sport. Yeah, see, that's a lot more Nintendo-ish. Yeah, yeah, it's also kind of like when when he said about actors putting on a performance being sort of the the framework for Goldeneye, it kind of reminded me how, you know, Super Mario Bros. 3 is meant to be just a play. It's not an actual adventure. I don't believe that either. <laughs> well, Miyamoto confirmed that this year. Can I know he did. It? I still don't believe him. I don't care what he says. I, I choose it to be what I want it to be. <laughs> to be fair, though, that's one theory I always agreed with. Like, even when I was a kid, it seemed... Like, because of the the way... You know, the aesthetic and the, the curtain roll and... Yeah, I actually... yeah, it is pretty obvious. So I'm, I'm kind of just... It's more of I'm annoyed by the choice than anything. I don't know. It's like, annoying it because me. it is one of his best adventures. Yeah. That's like, like, if it was for, like, you know, one of the new Super Mario Bros. games, you know. But then again, Super Mario Bros. 2 was just a dream, and I loved that game. So. Yeah, and, and Yoshi's Island is pretty much like a kid's pop-up book or something. Or yeah. <laughs> Someone, I think, once said that's the most obvious, um, the most obvious explanation to Mario's universe is that they're just an acting troupe putting on performances and they're all actually best friends and that's why they go on Mario Party and race together. Yeah. And then the games are just there sort of when they put on a show or make a book or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, but that's lame. I don't want to believe that. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of hard to, like... I don't know, like... This thing, it, you, you look at, like, Super Mario Galaxy. I mean, something like that, that on that grand scale, that's obviously an actual adventure. That's not <laughs> a performance. Um... I don't know. But anyway, look, it doesn't matter. It's Mario. This is Rare, not Nintendo. So, um, moving on through the week. uh, Next up, we had Rare revealed for Grab by the Ghoulies, which I think, didn't we talk about this on air last week? I said I was surprised they didn't have one of those videos in uh, Rare Replay. Yeah, I think you pretty much said that that's what you hoped would come out of this week. Mm. So I guess your wish was granted. And we got to see everyone with epic beards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if that was intentional. It was kind of weird. <laughs> well, it was cool how this... I think this was the first Rare Revealed video which was footage shot since the original. You know what I mean? Like, it was... Diff- it was... Um, the the people, the developers speaking in the video, it wasn't filmed alongside the other material because, like, Greg Mayles looked quite different. He was wearing different clothes. Yeah, and he was trying to grow a beard, which is also very amusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, it sounds stupid because I was hoping for this, but I actually found it a little bit, not boring, but kind of all the stuff they were talking about was stuff I'd read recently because I recently played the game for the first time. I'd looked up all this development information. They didn't really reveal anything new or interesting yeah, there, there really wasn't much other than what we already knew. And I get the feeling that maybe it was a pretty... That might have been all there was to it, and there really isn't that much more to shed on it. It sounds like they all just had a good time making it. It was probably a pretty quick game for them to make, being less, much less substantial in scope than Banjo-Tooie, which is probably one of the reasons they did it, and they all had a good time. And that's maybe that's it. Maybe there's nothing more, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm happy that it's there, it's one more piece of content from Rare, but I get the feeling that we, like me and you, weren't really the kind of audience that are aiming that at, I think it was aimed more at the social media channels for casuals who might not have played it or only had a little go, whereas me and you, we kind of knew all that stuff anyway. Yeah, recent... so those filthy casuals. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, we, we love everyone, that would be... No, reading Rare's Twitter page or Facebook page. You are awesome. Thank you for supporting them. Yes, thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> and then coming up uh, after this, they did uh, a Spectrum Masterclass, which was basically, it was um, uh, Adam Park and, what's his name, James? I think it was Christopher Davies, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, sorry, Christopher Davies, yeah. <laughs> I, was, um, I was pretty sure that James Thomas wasn't in that one, but yeah. I could be crazy. <laughs> no, I was getting them mixed up, yeah. It was uh, good old crispy beard and uh, Parky sat on the couch playing. And Adam Park did that thing again that he did with the Blast Courts master cla- uh, Masterclass, where he acted like he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's this game about? Uh, what do you do? Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, Adam Park seems like a, just kind of like a goofball. He seems like such a nice guy, though. Yeah, yeah, he seems pretty down to earth. <laughs> um, and they were talking about uh, was it, um, a tick attack, 
Underworld and Night Law. Mm-hmm. So more spectrum fun. I think we've been over that quite a bit the last couple episodes. Yeah, to be honest, as much as I've enjoyed the Spectrum games on Rare Replay, I don't really ever want to talk about them again. <laughs> yeah. no. So, if you want more tricks, if we weren't good enough for you, um, you can hear Adam Park and Christopher Davies talk about how to be good at them. Yeah, but why would you want those two amateurs when you've got us professionals in our $30,000 a minute studio? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so then... Um, after that, now you can talk about this if you want because it's, I think you pretty much creamed yourself when you watched this. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Um, so basically, um, for Halloween, I think it was what was a Friday they put this out. It was the day before Halloween, last work day before Halloween. Uh, they took some a project that was for the Rare Creative Jam uh, this year, and that's could be something that you know could be a game. Uh, movie trailer anything they wanted to do it didn't have to be a game and so i'm not sure who was all involved with it um but they made a fake movie trailer for a horror movie called night rare and it was pretty amazing it's it's basically this like uh this like kind of like dorky rare fan um gets to visit rare and um he's basically like chased around by banjo with a chainsaw uh, Greg Miles shows up wearing a really huge fake beard for some reason, <laughs> <laughs> and there's just tons of like little silly things, and it may or may not end with Greg Miles getting cut up with a chainsaw. I didn't really get the point of the fake beard. Was that a reference to something? Um, it could have been a reference to the beard he was trying to grow in the Ghoulies making a video. I don't know. Mm. Because I know they were all, like, um, a lot of the guys were joking about beards on uh, Twitter. Not too, like, after that that video came out. So I don't know if there's, I feel like it's probably, like, some joke going around the office that we just don't quite get. <laughs> well, I only just watched this video tonight because I was so busy yesterday. Um, and I'd work all day, like, earlier today. So I just watched this video like an hour ago. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really... Well, it was... You know, it wasn't... It didn't blow me away, but they it was a solid effort considering they made it in, what, a week? Um, and, yeah, the performances were... Who who was it who was the, uh, the ghost? Uh, I don't know. He looked familiar, but I couldn't remember his name. I know I've seen him around. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, and then just the whole thing with Banjo. It's like of anyone they could have picked, they just put Banjo with a chainsaw. <laughs> it's Banjo. And I love how they just like slowed down his go and just made it sound <laughs> evil. <laughs> uh, plus, there was a sound effect in the video. Very, very small Easter egg uh, from uh, Body Harvest for the N64, which you wouldn't have noticed, but I thought I that, was, that was awesome. There's obviously a Body Harvest fan on the team. And if you uh, watched uh, closely during the sword fight, I believe that only one of them had a sword. The guy actually looked like he was using one of Captain Bone's uh, legs. <laughs> to oh, right. refle- so oh. that that was kind of amusing. Okay, cool. I'll have to go rewatch it after anyway, because I said I only had time to like quickly watch it before we started. But yeah, no, um, fair play, lads. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, it kind of had me in stitches, um, and 
yeah, I, I didn't even know what to expect because at first, because I didn't ask you what it was about and I didn't read the description. I thought it was like some cancelled game or something. And I clicked it and there were these guys like, hey man, I'm going to go visit Rare. <laughs> and I love the part too where he's writing on the pinata just like with this like look of wonderment on his face. Like, ooh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, and that weird shot of Hostachio like turning his head in the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It was, it was good stuff. You all owe it to yourself to watch it. <laughs> what if Rare made a movie? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, with the amazing performances they've put on so far. Mm-hmm. Starring um, Greg Mails. <laughs> I, I think Greg Mails' beard could be the main star. Exactly. Like two separate billings. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun fun news week really. Like nothing earth chattering, but a lot of sort of funny little tidbits here and there. Um I've kind of really getting to the point now where I want them to do something or say something more about Sea of Thieves because it's been like five months, four or five months since E three. Um, I mean, I know we've talked about this a little bit before. Maybe they're holding off until after the big winter releases before they start talking about Sea of Thieves. But uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to see anything until next year, at the earliest. Hopefully, not until E three. I want to see something else before E three, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kept it under their hat till then. We'll see. Okay, well, if not that, then um, I want Platonic to talk a little more about ukulele because again they've kind of gone off the radar which is a good thing because it means they're going to be hard at work but busy making their games yeah yeah i'm hoping we still get the um um for people like me who donated too much money to the kickstarter um we are supposed to get like a little demo this year uh, like just like a little it basically it's nothing that doesn't appear in the actual game but just lets you able to like run around in like some sort of little sandbox they built for you, and just sort of like uh, test out the game a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I'm hoping we do get indeed get that this year. Because for some reason I was thinking that was going to be closer till this month, but maybe maybe I just made that up. Maybe there's never a date attached to it, but I thought it was by at least this year. It wasn't supposed to be 2016 because it was supposed to be something this year, and then something you know the actual game would come out next year. Maybe you should go back and read through the Kickstarter again. I probably should. <laughs> I thought, see, October rings a bell. I thought they said something about October, but obviously, well, unless, unless you get it tonight, <laughs> then it's kind of the missed that boat. Maybe it was November. I know um, that game itself is supposed to come out in October of... Um, next year. Next year, so maybe that's where we got the October from. Possibly. Or here, I'm I'm gonna look real quick because now I'm curious. <laughs> I apologize for the for the clicking. If you can hear my mouse, it's because oh yeah, it's really loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> now I must know. Okay, okay. Kickstarter rewards. Uh, where the hell is it? Oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Digital deluxe exclusive T-shirt. Sixty-four bit edition. Uh, okay. Uh, 
So, okay. The, our toy box experience are designed to deliver hands-on time. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, does it even give it? Huh, maybe it doesn't give it. You know, estimated release for that. Hmm. Or maybe they took it off. <laughs> Aw, that would be sad. Well, I mean, it's less than a year away now, so... I guess you could really get it at any time. Uh, I hope the game isn't delayed. That's one thing I've been worried about for a while. But I don't, I don't think... I don't think it will be. They have a full, pretty much a full team now, and they're ridiculously talented and using modern tools. I think they can pull it off. Yeah. Yeah, and like Chris Sutherland said, the biggest help is because obviously they're using Unity. That's Instantly that cuts like two years of development time just building the engine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, we'll see, we'll see. But um, anything else in the news that week? I think that was it, wasn't it? That was it. So, uh, I guess we can move on to the results of uh, last week's episode of Rare Story Time. <laughs> the votes yeah. are in. The votes, the votes are in, and I don't know, guys. I don't, know, I don't know about your taste in uh, adventuring, adventures stories, because, yeah. Um, should we should we just get into it and play the clip? Yeah, go for it. All right, gather around. It is the season final of Rare Storytime. It's the Rare Storytime season finale. Episode 6, Revenge of the Listener, starring Kremlings. Xander Bruce Oliver, Xavier Avatar, or Xbox Avatar for short, has been kidnapped by Data9, and you know what, you guys just voted to kill everyone, so no recap for you. Instead, listen to our valiant heroes be eaten alive by Kremlings. Is all, folks. We are cutting off before the ritualistic Kremlin blood orgy begins. Thanks for listening to Rare Story Time. Don't forget to swipe right if my sweet robot ass shows up on Tinder. See you later, hopefully with you and me behind the dumpster with my legs over my head. Um, sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> See what you people have done. The blood is on your hands now. I've 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 got to admit I voted for it just because I thought it sounded funny. <laughs> I know Scraps is sure probably got his jollies after that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, I, was, I I I enjoy the characters and I was I was enjoying their quest, but I just thought it sounded too funny. Just have them all eaten alive. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe there's hope yet. We never know. Or maybe, because um, I suppose that was only one of four possible alternate universes, maybe the story can live on in some other form. Yeah, I mean, we now have an established multiverse, so, you know, anything is possible. <laughs> and Drumstick does seem to have the ability to transfer, uh, possibly between worlds. Oh. So, you know, 
maybe people should keep an eye on the YouTube channel just in case they pop up somewhere else. Yep, who knows? Uh, I mean, um, who knows? Uh, I haven't really decided how best to continue their adventures. So, uh, yeah, I, I might, um, I might continue it um, in the podcast or someplace else. So I'm just gonna see what people think. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on it, I have a couple other ideas for new segments. So I might just spend a couple of weeks playing around with new things and seeing what people like. Okay. Well, talking about new segments and the YouTube channel, um, I started work on an idea. Well, I, I started putting the ideas together a couple of weeks ago, but I kind of finalised it this week. And I've actually recorded the first episode of my new spin-off series, Who Wants to Be a Million Rare? Which is, <laughs> it's an audio version of the classic uh, British game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Well, it became a global success, but it started over here, so we had it first. Um, well, we had Regis Philbin. <laughs> we had Chris Tarrant. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I never watched the British version, so I don't. I, I I used to. I loved it when it got big here, and then it got old like really quickly. So hang on, you've never seen the British version. So have you never seen the Chris Ingram investigation? I don't think so. You must have heard of that though. That was global news. That sounds really familiar. You might have to uh, remind me. Uh, basically, Chris Ingram was um, no, not Chris. Sorry, Charles. Charles Ingram. He was this disgraced lord. He basically, I think, not a lord, or he was some something high up, like some kind of noble nobility. And him and his wife went bankrupt, and they were desperate to like make make more money and pay off their debts. Um, they went. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. You should watch it on YouTube. It's all up there. The whole, like, the full episode where they expose it. Um, basically, this guy went on. Who wants to be a millionaire? And he came up with a way of cheating the system. Where he had a mate who was on the, uh, uh, what's it called? You know, the, the row of contestants waiting to go on. Like, there's ten people and, you know, one of them gets picked to go in. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, or one of his mates was on there. And um, every time there was a question, there was like a code like where he'd cough if he had the right answer. So, like, he'd read through the answers that say, like, you know, two plus... Excuse me. Two plus two equals, and then he'd, he'd say like you know one two three or four, and he'd go hmm could be one could be two, and when he gets to four he'd be like hmm could be four, and the guy would go, <clears throat> so yeah it was a coughing code to give him the answers. How did he, how did the other guy uh, know the answers? Was he just like googling everything? Or uh, no, something? he was just a really smart guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so. They did that. I mean, there was a couple of other things he did. Uh, like, I think... I think the guy did... Yeah, because this was in, like, 2001, so it was before smartphones and stuff. Um, but... Uh, I can't, you'll have to watch the, the thing. It's really interesting how they did it. But anyway, yeah, he got away with it. But there was, like, a couple of the sound technicians had noticed something was a bit curious, so they, they sort of watched back through the episode and were listening to the different clips and they kind of realised what was going on and then the the police launched an investigation and the guy ended up, like, he, he didn't get his money. Oh. <laughs> I, I think he went to prison for fraud. 
So. Oh, I have to look into that. That sounds like a really interesting story. I hadn't heard anything about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. It's on um, I say it's on YouTube. It's like an hour long, like the full, like they did a full TV special, and they show they show the whole episode, and they keep like breaking off and showing like interviews with people involved, and it's really interesting. So anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, I as I say, I've started an audio version called "Who Wants to Be a Million Rare." where it's rare-centric questions. And this week, I had my first guest, who was uh, long-term DK Viner Jim. So, uh, the full episode, it's about 32, 33 minutes. So, it's going to be its own separate thing on YouTube. But um, I think by the time the podcast goes up, the episode might not be quite ready. But keep an eye out for it. It's going to be up sometime over the weekend, maybe Monday. Um, but we've got a special little clip here to play for you. If you want to go ahead and do the honors, Dave. All right, I, I will hit the magic red button that plays audio clips in front of me. So I will do that. Go for it. All right. Hello and welcome to the first edition of Who Wants to Be a Million Rare. I'm your host, Kev Tarrant, and here's our first contestant. Uh, I'm Kev's mate, Jim. Um, can I just say, mate, that I paid 12 quid return on the train to get here, and I see, looking at your little board thing, that the top prize is £10. So yeah. really, uh, if, even if I win really big tonight, the top prize, uh, I'll be two quid down. Yeah, but you got to visit me, so it's all good. Could I at least have, like, a beer or something? <laughs> I just... If you get the top prize, we'll talk about a beer. Can I have a beer now? Just uh... I haven't got any beer. Can I have a, can I have a glass of water? No. Right. Thanks. Moving on. Let's start the first round. The first round is uh, five questions. May not be too hard, but, you know, might be a couple of tricky ones in there. So, here we go. The first question, and this is for 100 points. What is the name of the first level in Donkey Kong Country? Oh, for fuck's sake. Let me read the answers first before you complain too much. Jungle high jinx. Yep. Jungle low jinx. Jungle middle jinx. <laughs> or jungle. Um. All right. Could, could, they, could you at least fucking try? If these are going to be this fucking stupidly simple, I'm, I'm I'm bored. I'm tired. I don't want to be here. You're giving me shitty questions with obvious answers. Right. It's jungle high jinx. The other two are bad joke an- answers. Uh, the, the last one's a golden eye level. So, I'm going to say, uh, Jungle Hijinks. First of all, may I remind you, please do not swear too much. This is a family show. Fuck that. And Jungle, it may also be a Goldeneye level. It was also the name of the first world in Donkey Kong Country Returns. So, you missed a bit of trivia there. Uh, so, you say your final answer is Jungle Hijinks. I, I said, I said, do I have to say final answer after every single one? Final answer. Why, why do I have to say that? I said the answer. Like, I'm a man of my word. Final answer? Uh, yeah, it's my final answer. It's my first and final answer. Jungle Hijinx is correct. You've just won 100 points. What do points get me? To the next round. Oh, thanks. First question out of the way. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Sounded seemed a little reluctant there. Who, me? No, he did. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um... <laughs> Are you sure you don't have him there against his will? 
it felt like it at times. I mean, that's only the first few minutes. I mean, you should hear towards the end. He gets he's so cranky, complaining at every question, but it's all good fun. And I won't spoil the ending, but let's just say he does get quite far. Okay, maybe he wins a million dollars or a million rare dollars, <laughs> which is probably not nearly as much. Well, I should make it clear to the uh, the viewers at home. Um, basically, the you know how like you've got five questions for each level. Um, for the level one prize is two pound fifty. The level two prize is five pound, and the level three prize is ten pounds. So, uh, yeah, the most he could win is ten pound. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, we're now opening the lines for anyone listening to this. If you want to take part. Um, just drop us an email, post on the forums, you know, PM me, what, however you want to get in touch, do it. Um, I don't think it's going to be quite every week, but I'm going to produce these, you know, sort of as and when people want to take part. So, yeah, anyone at home, if you want to win a little bit of money, just uh, drop us a line and uh, you could be the next guest. And hopefully you will come out unscathed. Yeah. And hopefully you shit so I don't have to keep spending money on this thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, alright then, um, do we want to move on to the main segment? Yes, let's move on. It is Halloween, so um, it is time to talk about spooky things. Scary things. (laughs) 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 Right, so... Historically, Rare games have more often than not been very family-friendly, age-appropriate. Um, like, I, I don't. Aside from like Conquer and Perfect Dark, they've never really gone for like adult-themed games. But um, occasionally, and ironically, it's usually in their friendly, cute, cuddly platformers where you do end up getting some really scary moments. Um, I don't know about you. I mean, have you have you been scared by many rare games or? Um, honestly, not really. But I don't think most games ever actually scared me. Really? The only game I yeah, the only game I remember like freaking me out was uh, Resident Evil Two. Hmm. You have to have like nerves of steel to play that game. I was never that <laughs> scared by Resi Two. I think there was one jump scare that did get me where. Um... You know, with the liquor breaks through the the interrogation room. I know that's 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 just like your heart's in like racing for like. <laughs> and was, then, then you keep thinking it's going to happen again. That's what makes it so tense. It was. It's brilliant. like oh, it did that to me. <laughs> I, I remember I was yeah, I was playing it with Dwayne uh, on the Dreamcast. This was like 2002, I think, because I didn't play it when it first came out. But um, it was like Sunday morning. It was like 5:30 a.m. We got up really early. And um, when that liquor broke through, Dwayne was screaming like a baby. I mean, I was freaking out. I think I, I, think I fell off the bed. <laughs> and he was screaming. And then my dad woke up and he was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was definitely it. Oh, I know another one. I think you know if you played this. But you played Outlast? No. It's a relatively new game. No. It's uh, PS4 and Xbox One. But the whole thing is you don't have any weapons. All you have is a camcorder. And in order to like actually see in the dark, you got to like put your camcorder up and like looking around. And it's it is just one of the most just 
frightening games I've ever played. Uh-huh. It's like you, yeah, like it's one of those games like I couldn't even do it in large, you know, in large uh, lengths of time because it was just like too trying on the nerves. <laughs> See, that's what I got from Shadow Man. I mean, if this wasn't a rare centric podcast, I'd have loved to have talked about Shadow Man this week because um, that is the only game ever where I have to, I can only play it for like an hour or two at a time because it makes me feel physically distressed and uncomfortable and sad. Like, it actually makes me feel sad and depressed, but strange enough, I think, in a good way. Like, I think for a game to have, to, for me to have such an emotional connection to quite an old game, uh, that's got to be something special. Like, I never get these people who say, oh, I never watch horror films because they're too scary. So, But isn't that a good thing? Like, if something gives you that kind of emotional reaction, that means it's a it's a great piece of art, in my opinion. Yeah, and um, a lot of horror films aren't even that scary when people actually watch them. People yeah. are just like it's like more of the, the fear of like possibility of being scared. I'm just like, come on, just watch it. If if it freaks you out, then it's a memorable movie, and you're gonna remember it. Yeah, I mean, I think the majority of movies that get make it to theatres these days aren't really that scary there's a few sort of old you know like video nasty movies which can be quite creepy um, and some I think a lot of foreign like some Japanese works which are really creepy but I mean, well to me like I get I'm more disturbed by say the works of David Lynch than a horror film because mm-hmm. I, I think things that I don't know if you're very, if you're into Lynch at all. Uh, can you remind me of what his work? Didn't he work on Twin Peaks? Yeah, yeah, Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. I've seen Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, Mulholland Drive, Blue Velvet, uh, Lost Highway. Yeah, I think only one I've seen is Twin Peaks, oh, okay. which was good. It definitely had a super creepy moments, but um... I, I think atmospherically, it's just so. I don't know. It take it. it, it I know this isn't a Twin Peaks podcast. We'll save this for another time. But what all I was trying to say was um, those kind of works where they're not, they aren't horror films, or you know, they're not setting out to be scary, but they build up this atmosphere which is so unsettling. Um, I find that a lot scarier than say Saw or Scream or something like that. Yeah, I'm Saw was probably one of the most unscary movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I thought it was a comedy about halfway through. <laughs> uh, well anyway um, I think the best way we can do this we're talking about Rare is if we go uh, chronologically through some Rare classics and uh, we can sort of talk about moments that scared us uh, well maybe not scared us because you say you didn't get scared we talk about creepy moments or moments that were meant to be creepy yeah um, do we want to go over the Spectrum games or have we decided we don't really want to talk about them anymore <laughs> Um, well, I, I guess we can just say that Rare kind of made their first splash in the creepy-ish genre by, uh, with, you know, like a Tick Attack and Night Law. Kind of like, they covered in the... Oh, fuck it. If you want to know about them, just watch the Masterclass video or listen to our old episodes. I'm not going to talk <laughs> for the third week in, like, less than a month about those games. As good as they are. <laughs> yeah, we... Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat. I'm I'm tired of talking about Saber Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
which I never thought I'd be saying like five years ago even. I still didn't know that much about the guy, but now it's like... I know, it's, it's, it's crazy. I don't think anyone would think that we'd be talking about, you know, Spectrum games in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> the Stamper Brothers knew in 1983 and 1984, I think. No, I think it was 83 when the first uh, Saving Man came out. Or whatever. Um, if they knew back then that in like 32 years a couple of guys who weren't even born at that point would be talking about them for like two hours at a time. <laughs> I hope they're proud of themselves. Yeah. They should be. Rich, crazy, lovable guys. <laughs> yes, right. who knows? Um, <laughs> so, sorry. No, no, We're talk, totally talking over each other. Don't ever apologise to me. Just, you know, make up for it later. Um, okay. So... The NES, I, I don't really think there are any scary, rare games on the NES. What about Taboo, The Sixth Sense? Oh, I don't know shit about that. T- tell me about that. <laughs> it's kind of a joke title. The whole thing's like a fortune-telling game. It's it's really silly. It's like an, it's like a non-game. It's like it's like a it's like a cell phone app. It's it's terrible, but it's kind of it's a little bit creepy. Just just the presentation, I guess. I, I don't know. I've only played it for like 10 minutes on an emulator because I wanted to know what it was. Okay, well, if you told me about this a few days ago, I could have checked it out, but... Oh, wow. Um, right, so really, I think the first the first game that I think was legitimately creepy was uh, Donkey Kong Country. Now, we spoke a little bit off-air about this, and you said there was nothing that stood out in your mind as creepy... Um, has anything hit you since then, or are you still kind of wondering what I'm talking about? Uh, there's probably a couple moments I can think of, like maybe, uh, like the Misty Mine area, or that, like, kind of stop-go section where you have to, like, um, hit the lights to keep the little monsters from coming out of the ground and chasing you. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, the Rock Crocs. Rock Crocs, that's what they were called. Yeah. yeah that was kind of cool. They're freaky as hell, because the thing is, the timing... For let's be honest, what was it like the third or fourth stage on the second world? So it's still pretty early, you know. If we're talking in Mario t- Mario terms, this is like a desert level, so you're pretty early in your adventure. Um, and and then you've got this like, I mean, when you know the mechanics, you can clear it pretty easily. But as a kid, you just get so freaked out, and and you know you make mistakes because. You, you kind of feel like the game is working against you and sometimes you yeah. think, oh, there's no way I can make it in time. And you, <laughs> and you keep running back to hit the same switch over and over again. And then, you you know, maybe you'll sacrifice one of the Kongs just to get through a section. And then you find the uh, the hidden shortcut to skip half the level. I thought you skipped the whole level, doesn't it? Oh, practically the whole level. I couldn't remember how much you skipped. I felt like there was at least a couple... Uh, maybe two or three switches you had to get past after the warp, I thought. No, I'm pretty sure the warp drops you next to the last switch, so all you have to do is the final stretch. Yeah, so if you're a cheapskate, or not cheapskate, my vocabulary is really bad today. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you fuck off and get someone better on? Yeah, that's right. I'll just turn over the whole site and podcast to you, and I'll go just, I don't know, I'll start a podcast against about something... No one cares about, like, peanuts. <laughs> I don't like peanuts. 
I, I, I like cashews better. I don't like nuts. I, I can't eat nuts. They, they, I can't swallow them properly. It's weird. I don't think I'm allergic, uh, but I like. I try, Do you chew them first? Um, yeah, but like I try to <laughs> swallow them, and then it's like my throat just won't accept them. It like pushes <laughs> them back up. Are you sure you're not allergic and your throat's just, like, not swelling horribly and constricting your throat? Possibly. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't eat peanuts and then, because you might die. <laughs> Alright then, I'll stop trying. Um, the only thing I do like, uh, like, if I'm in a bar, I like sucking on salted nuts and then just spitting them out. Do you guys have that in America where you have, like, salty nuts on a bar? Um, I don't think so. I mean, honestly, I don't go to bars that much, but I've the times I have been, I've never seen anyone do that. Do you do you like not drink that often? Uh, not really. It's probably a lot, a lot to do with I don't really have many friends I regularly hang out with. So there's a couple people who I will like have a beer with every now and again, but it's yeah. I don't really do it a whole lot. I just remember I'm, when I was in New York, like, most of the beers were really watered down. They were, like, 3% or something. Like, is that a thing in America? Like, all your beers are pretty weak? I think so, actually. I think, because there's, there's people here that would probably die if they were any higher in alcohol <laughs> content because they'll drink so much. <laughs> Especially in the redneck areas where people just, like, buy, like, a six-pack of beer and then spend all day drinking it. A six-pack? That's, like, an hour for me. Or, or, or a 12-pack or whatever. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, like, the, the rednecks and their wife beaters do, but I feel like they probably just drink a ton and ton of beer. and They drink it like water, basically. Yeah, drink it like water, and then they beat their wives and children and say racist things and it's all great well when I visit your house we're going to have to get absolutely smashed every night <laughs> your wife can like just cook us dinner and clean up after us it'll be great I'll be your yeah, new best I, friend because I don't have a job or anything any responsibilities well you can take some unpaid vacation it's no problem <laughs> <laughs> oh damn it my unpaid vacation <laughs> You damn Brits have it so good sometimes. The only reason I made friends with you and did this whole thing is so I know when I'm in the States, I've got somewhere to stay. <laughs> like, That's a little out of the way. If I'm in New York, I'm just going to crash Hyle's apartment. Uh, no, Chad, sorry. Um, if I'm in uh, Michigan, I'm just going to come and destroy your house. Um, I'm sure there's probably like a DK Vine member in every state, so I've got it covered. <laughs> Maybe. We, we should look into that. I almost went to New York next week. Like, I, I'll just quit tangent. Um, I got, like, for some reason next week, I've got, like, three days off in a row, which I didn't ask for. But basically, I'm only working three days next week for some reason. I think they're trying to, like, cut down on a few hours. Um, and I'm off, like, from Tuesday night until Saturday afternoon. So, and I saw, like, a really cheap flight to New York, and I almost booked it, but, like, I'd have, like, no money left for the month. So, <laughs> instead, I'm going to go to Brussels for a couple of nights just to check out the bars, which sounds pretty cool. Seems kind of weird just to go randomly to, you know, across uh, the Atlantic Ocean without anything really to do, just but, because you have a few days off. But it just sounds hilarious. I love the idea. How what a fucking waste of time, considering it takes about 12 hours to get there. Yeah. I just think it sounds hysterical, flying to New York, getting pissed. 
for like a day and then just coming home and just <laughs> just you know go to my mates and be like oh where you been oh I just popped to New York for a day <laughs> um, but no I found this um, a return flight to Brussels for £18 both way like £18 round trip which is like $25 dang which is pretty That's... cool I, I might be a little scared to ride that flight it's almost too cheap oh <laughs> No, no, it's cool. It's it's a site called Skyscanner where it like it it just collects like every single flight from every single airline from every destination. Uh, sorry, from every location to every destination. Like you can just search. You know, you just change your search parameters, and you can search like in in regards to price instead of actual date and place. So basically, you can work it the other way around, where you find the cheapest possible flights and then see which dates suit you. Hmm. Um, and it was like, you know, I guess there's maybe just a couple of seats left on this flight and they want to fill them up. So I haven't actually booked it yet. I was, I was going to look at it tonight, but I was thinking I've, I've only been through Belgium on a coach, uh, you know, like on a bus. I've never actually been there to visit. So I thought, yeah, just follow the Brussels, get a cheap hotel, maybe get a train up to Bruges. And I think it sounds pretty cool. Ah, that's just, that's one of the cool things about kind of living in Europe is that you can actually it's it's really easy to visit other countries. Yeah, I mean I've been to Germany like twenty times. I've been to Spain like I used to live in Spain for a while. Did I ever tell you that? Uh, you did not. Yeah, that's uh, kind of exciting. Summer two thousand six. Um, I went to Spain on my eighteenth birthday. Well, I've been there a few times to a town called Benidorm. I don't know if you've heard of that. Nope. Okay. <laughs> but I went to it's kind of like it's the British tourist destination in Spain so it's kind of like half British anyway but um, there's this guy Paul who ran a bar and um, I used to hang out there quite a lot and on my 18th birthday I got really drunk I was like Paul give me a job and he was like okay and I was like ha he was like when do you want to start and I thought he was kidding and I went back the next day for breakfast he was like so are you actually going to work at my bar and I was like really I've got nowhere to live, and he's like, I've got a spare room, you can have it cheap. I was like, uh, so I just, I flew home, I quit my job, and I flew back out and lived there for the summer. (laughs) (laughs) That was rather spontaneous. Yeah, well I thought, I was thinking about it, and I thought, ah, fuck it, like how many chances will I get to do this in life? And like, I mean, it's a good job I did it when I did, because like, then I went home, and you know, I met my, my ex, and I had my children, and I you know got my education so i think it's cool that i got that stuff out of the way while i was still young yeah it's kind of an experience i mean i've barely been out of the states <laughs> so i kind of i am kind of a little bit jealous just even the ability to without like a massive you know across the atlantic flight to actually visit a place where a different language and culture exists mm. yeah I, mean, I guess i could go down south it's almost like a different culture <laughs> You could go up to you could, you could go up to Canada. I mean, they're crazy up there. Yeah, I mean, all those moose riding lumberjacks. And I slept with a Canadian girl when I was in New York. Actually, I think you told me that before. Yeah, and a Hawaiian. Apparently you're rather proud of it. I slept with a Canadian, a Texan, and a Hawaiian in the same week. So it's like I went there, and oh, and the only actual New Yorker I went out with, I only got to first base. So. Yeah. Um, well, New York is kind of a melting pot, and give it that. I know, man. It was great. Like, this Hawaiian chick, 
She's like, she used to be part of the UN or something. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, good times, man. Good times. Um, but <laughs> well, sh- should I clap for you or I, I don't know? <laughs> nah. Congratulations. Oh, I guess. thank you, thank you. But, um, I, you know, that was during my crazy phase. Um, that was like a year ago. God, it was like another era. So now I'm just the guy who sits at home talking about rare, being a good boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about rare. Um... <laughs> oh yeah, we were talking about that because we're actually on a podcast right now about rare. <laughs> we're supposed to discuss that. Do you want to move on to DKC too? Do we think we covered the DKC enough? Yeah, DKC. Yeah, just really the misty mines. Um, any levels which don't have music, which I think were just the mines. It just had like that atmospheric track. The dog barking, that was creepy. Um, and the rock crocs. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, oh, some people said Croctopus Chase was really scary, but I never found that scary because, like, once you figure out the system, you know you can always get some really good ground on the Croctopus. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't even think that level ever really gave me trouble. Yeah. Okay, then, uh, do you want to lead the charge on DKC2, seeing as I've been talking non-stop for 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah, um, DKC2 is probably the most uh, uh, outside of, um, you know, Grab by the Ghoulies, is probably the most known um, haunted area in one of Rare's video games. Because uh, it has a whole, basically a whole dedicated world, and it, each level is pretty much just builds upon that. Um, my, one of my personal favorites is the uh, the run where it has actual ghost ropes, and I think that idea is just hilarious. So it's like these little ropes with little, little faces and red eyes, and then you grab onto them and they have a little bit of time to jump to the next one before they disappear. Uh, I think that's probably my favorite of the haunted levels. Um, and they also, oh, shoot, of course, uh, Cackle and Cloak are two also iconic uh, enemies from that game. Um, uh, Cloak, one of my personal favorites, and I think I swear to God that there's the, the model and uh, grabbed by the ghoulies. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a ghost in that game that looks exactly like Cloak to me. You know what I'm talking about? No. No. Okay, I'll shut up. Then. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. I'm not. I don't mean that in a rude way. I just <laughs> I kind of rush through ghoulies in a day, so. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm sure he has a different name. He's not supposed to be the enemy, but there's a cu- there's a, quite a few enemies. In Grab by the Ghoulies, that really remind me of uh, enemies from previous games, like the or like the imps kind of look like Jinjos, um, and I think the reason um, the cloak, the ones I think that look like cloaks, is there's also that sound effect that almost sounds like it's from Donkey Kong Country. That laugh when you uh, hit scary scary areas, and there's that little kind of like inflating scare area that you have to get away from. Like, it just makes me think of uh, the, the sound effect that Cloak makes when he throws barrels in Donkey Kong Country 2. Okay, well, I'll have to check that out. I mean, I was going to replay Ghoulies to do Challenge 21 anyway, so... Uh, yeah, I'll keep an eye out for that when I go back through it. Um, you you mentioned Cackle as well? Yeah, the... Um, how to describe him? A giant skeleton ghost? <laughs> <laughs> pirate skeleton ghost like I'm not sure what he would look like with actual meat on him because he doesn't really look like any actual creature 
it's it's really bizarre looking thing. But he, he looks like a combination between a skeleton, a ghost, and a lizard. And he basically chases you while on a skull-shaped minecart, and you have to keep hitting these barrels uh, in order to keep them from catching up or avoiding the barrels in the later half of the level. Yeah, see, I never actually found him like scary. It was just kind of exciting. Yeah, it's just kind of anonymous to have this horrifying creature always behind you. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I, I I will actually say though, I think the whole area of DKC two was it Gloomy Gulch. Um, I think it got less scary as it went on because then you got like the parachute panic, which is just a hive level, um, mm-hmm. and then like Web Woods, which is. It's an amazing level, like atmospherically, it's brilliant, but it's not actually scary. I don't think. Yeah, if that's the one I'm thinking of, I remember that one just being really frustrating for a level. That's the one you're pretty much the spider the whole time, the way through. Uh, Squitter. I'm sorry, I'm messing up, messing up the rare names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't remember all of DK's animal buddies. Sue me. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, you had the first level. I think was it what was it called the the first level of the world was the one with the ghost ropes I don't remember what it was called but I know the music is what I used for the intro this week and <laughs> one of my favorite uh, songs from the whole soundtrack yeah forest interlude yeah it's brilliant. It's it's um yeah one of the best pieces on. The, well, it's it's hard to choose. But stickle the Sticklefish Symphony. Oh my god, everything on that soundtrack is just gold. Jib jig, mining melancholy, um, gang, uh, gang. Oh no, um, Lockjaw Saga, Lockjaw's Locker, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, so many. Like. Like, why David Wise, why people aren't just pounding at his door every day of the week to get into the soundtrack, it's beyond me. I thought you were going to say, why people aren't just pounding one off to his music. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Why isn't everyone doing that as well? No, <laughs> see who your mind is. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, quick run through that world then. Yeah, so you had the ghost rope level, then you had the haunted chase, or haunted hall, which is with cackle as we said then you had gusty glade which was um it was kind of like the ghost rope one but with wind um and then parachute panic and then web whoops uh, woods um and then the boss of that area was ghost crow yes um I remember. I don't really remember him that much. I need to play through that again. Like I'm actually on my second play, th- or my I think my third playthrough of the game on the virtual console, and I'm actually in this world right now, and I'm trying to remember the later levels <laughs> because I prepared so much for this. Oh, Ghost Crow is um, it's just Crow from the first world, but his ghost. But... Oh yeah, that's right. It's yeah okay. All right, I remember now. Yeah. Um, which correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that the first time in a DKU game? Where, uh, like, a, a ghost of an actual character appears. Yeah, it must be because like it's only like the third DKU game anyway. But yeah, and then uh, then we have Wrinkly in DK sixty four after she kicked the bucket. 
which is so really sad. weird. But we'll get on to DK64 after. Um, DKC2, though, I mean, aside from that world, I mean, just generally the whole game had quite a dark tone and could be quite creepy. But there's a certain anniversary coming up soon, so I think we should move on quickly so we don't stamp on future material. Yeah. I need to also remind myself that I need to, like, sit down and reboot that game before we get that episode. <laughs> so I, I actually remember the later stuff. I'm actually... I think the last time I played through it was, like, a year ago. Um, but I'm thinking before the anniversary, I'm probably going to play it through 102% at least once. Because, I, I mean, I love that game so much. It really is uh, oh. the pinnacle. All the Donkey Kong Country games are just masterpieces in my mind. Um, I don't know if I'd say Returns is a masterpiece, but it's still a great game. Oh, yeah. I see. When I said that, I was in my mind. I was just referring to one, two, and three. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like to me, like the retro games are like. I mean, they're the same same label, but they're like their own separate series at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from there. Um, so, after DKC2, um, uh, was there anything... I mean, the next one, in my mind, would be Goldeneye. Is there anything in between that you can think of? Uh, TT and Diddy Kong Racing is pretty horrifying looking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, but serious answers... Um, yeah, Goldeneye, <clears throat> as a kid, this game scared the shit out of me. And it sounds weird to say now, because really, it's kind of like quite a, a self-aware, humorous FPS. Um, but I'll tell you what, because I know I know of at least, I can think of at least four or five moments in my head which terrified me. But I'm interested to hear you, if there's any moments that scared you, or, or um, you think were well, kind of creepy. I scared myself for uh, realizing what I was capable of doing in a video game every time I would go through the first few levels and murder the scientists repeatedly and then pump clip after clip into their corpse. Yeah. <laughs> Poor David <laughs> that... Doak. <laughs> yeah. that, that game, like the first game I played, that like we sort of realized that you were a video game psychopath because we didn't really have like Grand Theft Auto or anything like that yet. Mm. And just the freedom to like kill innocents and just do horrible things in that game was the first time I experienced that. <laughs> See, I don't really remember really any particular moments that I. Maybe the jungle area probably be the. If I was going to pick the scariest part of the game, just because you have those like drone guns and enemies you can't really see very well, and you just like go too far forward and get shot at. Or the temp, the final temple level. Which I guess as well, but that one because it's got that all that weird supernatural stuff. Yeah, but I, I almost don't count that because I didn't get to that point until I cheated years later with the uh, push button codes. Okay, all right. <laughs> so it doesn't stick out as much for me. Well, for me, I'll go through one by one. Um, first up, <clears throat> hmm, uh, surface two, the second surface level where it's at night. Okay, you, yeah, that one was kind of creepy. Yeah, I think it's fucking terrifying, mate, because the music is really, like, odd. Um, and the atmosphere, it's just weird how, like, 
you know, there's this red mist everywhere, and like the enemies will kind of appear out of nowhere. Like sometimes you'll turn around, and there'll just be one of those enemies in like the snow hockey masks, and got the sound of the club firing. Even though the club's the weakest weapon in the game, the sound of it firing and echoing around surface is something really disturbing about it. Yeah. I'll give you that. I don't think it, it didn't really stand out to me that much, but I can see where you're coming from. Um, moving on, the statue park was a little creepy as well. Um, oh, I actually forgot about them. That one might actually be my pick for a uh, creepiest level, just because some of these statues in that park are just very horrifying looking. Well, not just that, but as well, after the confrontation with Alec Trevelyan. After that, the area floods with new kinds of enemies with shotguns, and they always know where you are. You can't hide. I don't know if you remember the way the programming works. Wherever you go, the enemies will all flock to where you are. They just—it's like they have a tracking signal on you, and that is really creepy, especially on the high, higher difficulty levels. Yeah, the, the AI in that game sometimes. <laughs> uh, it was—I don't know—it it was. I just had so much fun with all the levels that I don't think I ever really got scared just because it was such a joy to control. Yeah. That it never really freaked me out in any, like, meaningful way. I was just having way too much fun shooting people because <laughs> it was one of the very first violent games I was allowed to play. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, and then Jungle, I think, was quite creepy because there's, like, no music and the green mist. Again, kind of like the surface with the red mist, I think... Because of this, the, the like limitations of the hardware, it made it creepier than it was intended to be. Because some things just looked weird or came across as odd and unusual. Yeah, that mist used to be in so many games yeah. back in the day to mask draw distances. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird that it's kind of gone now. Actually, I, I was there's that oh, I can't remember the name what level it was if you've got to it yet in Halo Five. But there's one that's kind of misty when you start. And for a second, I was like, why did the graphics get so much worse? Oh, it's actual real mist. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't for a reason. So, yeah. But it, it is interesting to think the creative ways that um, game developers used to get around the massive limitations of the hardware they were working on. Yeah. I mean, was it Spider-Man 1 on the PS1 where the plot of the game was that the villain had a fog machine that he, that he that, like used in New York. Oh, I never played that. Yeah. That's that's genius, though. It's brilliant. It's <laughs> like the perfect satire of that era. Like, They're just like, huh, how can we make a Spider-Man game work? What if there's fog everywhere? Well, this doesn't make sense. How can we, how can we make it make sense? Fog machine! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. Um, so, just finishing off Goldeneye, um, Caverns was pretty creepy. Again, because of the music. Um, yeah, more the music than anything made it creepy. Um, did you did you think anything of Caverns or? Uh, it, it had its moments. It, it all. I think the whole game did kind of had like a weird vibe with it, just with the music and the atmosphere. Yeah. So I think you could probably imply the same thing to most levels in the game, except for a couple here or there that are like really bright and out in the open. Yeah. But yeah, it, it definitely, especially the the weird blocky graphics, kind of help with that because the characters look so don't deformed. Really look right. Yeah, they look so deformed and weird looking. It kind of adds to the charm at the same time. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, okay then, alright. Well, I've kind of... Yeah, that's it for Goldeneye, I think. Um... Oh, um... <clears throat> not really a rare game, but did you play uh, Time Splitters 2? I did, but it was like back in 2002 or something, so I, I don't really remember. I remember having a lot of fun with it, but I don't remember anything about it. Well, the reason I think about it is the very first level in that game is kind of in, it's in Siberia, and it's kind of like almost like a GoldenEye tribute level, mm-hmm. except then zombies show up, and it just kind of made me think of that. Because oh, it took okay. sort of like that kind of weird, that GoldenEye already weird vibe, and then just like cranked it up to the max <laughs> with freaking zombies. And that that's that was a pretty uh, somewhat horrifying experience as well. Just to have this not because at that point when I had played it, I was kind of expecting it to just be a spiritual successor to Goldeneye. I didn't really know what it was, yeah. and all, all of a sudden have zombies rising from the dead halfway through the level. <laughs> I'll have to check that back. I think I've still got the game somewhere. I'll have to check that back out again. Yeah, it's a great game. Um, so. Moving on from Goldeneye chronologically, though, uh, next up, I guess, we've got Banjo-Kazooie. Yep, Mad Monster Mansion. Ooh. One of my favorite, if if not my favorite, haunted level uh, in a video game. I don't know, just something about it. And I love the pot that says thank you, and that everyone thought was telling people to fuck off. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> like, I don't even hear it. But I didn't until I heard the Grant story on Game Grumps where he talks about it, and now I go and listen to it, and I do hear it because of that. I can't unhear it. It's like, I can kind of understand when it's super compressed and on like a really old TV, but if you listen to the file, the sound bit extracted, it doesn't sound a thing like that. It just sounds like thank you. Mm. But I don't know. I, I do remember that, like, right when the... Like, maybe a week after the game, uh, I remember being on, like, message boards, and everyone's like, why is this pot telling me to F off? What the hell, Rare? Fuck you. <laughs> I thought he wanted eggs in him, but apparently he doesn't. <laughs> um, yeah, Man Monster Mansion, like, again, it's not really scary, but it's a really good sort of homage to some sort of classic, you know, horror tropes. Um, and you get to go down a toilet. Yeah. Um, oh God, what was the pumpkin called when you turn into a pumpkin? He's got a name, but I can't remember. I don't remember, but that's a really awesome transformation. Yeah, that was cool, and it's quite creative as well because you have to really think outside the box to get around the level as a pumpkin. Because to like, to get up on the roof for some of those jiggies and uh, I think there's a honeycomb piece as well. Um, you have to like smash the windows beforehand as Banjo, then turn into Pumpkin, and then find the obscure part of the maze where you can climb up onto the roof. Yeah, I th- think it was probably the most complicated level in the game. In my, so from well, maybe Rusty Bucket Bay was pretty complex too. But there's just so many weird things that you would have to know about or just find by trial and error um, in that Monster Mansion. Click clock word I'd say was probably a bit more complex just because of the nature of having, you know, the same area with four different states. But Mad Monster Mansion is probably the most complex to f- figure out in one run, I guess. Yeah. It's just unless you know how to do it, it's not necessarily like really logical what you have to do. Yeah. It's kind of you just had to run around the level and figure things out slowly. Yeah. And just kind of have to wait for it 
happen naturally. They're going to figure out all these weird things you'll see, but not necessarily know how to get to right away. I think on my first playthrough on the N64, that was the last level where I got 100 notes. I think it was click like wood for me. Ah, oh, right. I, I remember I always end up freaking falling or something accidentally, and then having to start over because <laughs> the notes didn't save in the N64 version. Yeah, that was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't care for that. I'm glad they changed it in the Xbox version. Yeah, a lot of people complained about that, but I thought it was a good change. Yeah, it was a bad design choice to begin with. <laughs> Just because something makes something easier doesn't mean it's a bad design choice and make you less of a gamer. Exactly. It makes the game more fun, more fun than it's a good design choice. Exactly. Um, so, anything else you want to say about Mad Monster Mansion, or...? First appearance of Captain Black Eye. Oh, that's right. Yes, Captain Black Eye from Project Dream. And if the rare gods are uh, willing, hope maybe Sea of Thieves. I really hope he's in Sea of Thieves. I have, I have to. to. Okay, kind of off topic, but yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what else was really, really cool on that level. Oh, I liked um, in the church where you have to play the organ with the ghost hand oh yeah that was really cool that's pretty cool yeah um it wasn't annoying like some of those because i had a lot of those kind of games uh well those sort of mini games in banjo and dk64 but a lot of them move too quickly or you have to memorize them whereas this you just follow along which is quite cool yeah and it was just i don't know it was just one of those really weird unique things that only rare could come up with yeah when you play like things like Jack and Dexter and some of the Mario games, they're never nearly as creative as Banjo was at hiding its jiggies. <laughs> yeah, it's that's just... the thing. Like, I enjoyed Jack and Dexter. I mean, we spoke about this before, but there was never a moment where I thought, "Ooh," you know what I mean? Like with Banjo, yeah, there's I... so many times where you're like. Oh, that makes sense. That's brilliant. Whereas Jack, it's like, okay, smash the wall and find the... the what are they called? The power stones? Or... Uh, weren't they like precursor stones Precursor or orbs, that was it. Precursor orbs, yeah, that was the collectible. Yeah, and like... It, it was still really cool, but yeah, they weren't nearly as clever. And no disrespect to Naughty Dog at all, because I think behind... Um, to me, Nintendo, uh, the Decor Nintendo Development Group, Rare, and Naughty Dog are probably, in my opinion, the top three developers, best developers of all time. Ooh. But yeah, I love I love Naughty Dog too. I'm not gonna lie. Well, I mean, Wait, reason I reason I own a Sony platform. <laughs> well, I mean, to show I'm not biased, I mean, I'll make a similar comparison with another Rare game, Cameo. I love the game, but the way the um, oh, what are they called? Those. The fruits, yeah, the the fruits that you collect. There's like a hundred fruits in the game, um, and like I don't remember what they're called, but yeah, they give you special abilities. But they're not really very well hidden, or like they're not they're nowhere near as as clever or as fun as banjo because it's like you buy half of them off the shopkeepers anyway, and it kind of just feels yeah. like they were thrown in, and it felt like they were thinking, where do we put these? Whereas banjo, it was kind of like okay, let's build the game around these concepts. I think it was kind of that way with uh, Donkey Kong 64 too. They weren't near... Some of them were, 
But there was a lot that just felt really half-assed. Mm-hmm. It was like, we have, have to figure out a way to put five golden bananas for five Kongs in every single level. Yeah. And make it work. <laughs> I think... I'm not, I really enjoyed Donkey Kong 64, but I think that, that a lot of the core ideas probably worked a lot better on paper than they did in Inflammation. Like, there was there shouldn't have been five playable characters, and I think that was probably the biggest mistake. Yeah. It ended up with the it ended up with collecting feeling like a chore instead of a joy in some places. When you'd pass something, not being able to get it, had to backtrack all the way to the barrel, change Kongs, and then go back, only realize that you just missed something else as the character you just were previously and have to do it all over again. Yeah. Um, and I like it. It's got its charms, but it's definitely the sort of... Of all the rare platformers... Well, there's only three of them, but yeah. It's definitely the one that falls short and feels like it didn't age as well. And it's it's the, the balance between reward, rewarding and frustration... It's definitely tipped towards frustration with DK. But, um, no, I mean, not to get off topic, um, have you got anything else to say about MMM? Uh, nope, I think I'm good. I think we can probably move on to, what, Jet Force Gemini? Yeah, Jet Force Gemini. The whole, whole game's kind of like a horror sci-fi movie in some regards. Massive giant ants. Well, there's one uh, area that sticks out to me in particular extremely creepy um, I can't actually remember the name of the area but it's a secret area which you access through Goldwood um, it takes you to this um, abandoned space station um, and it's like you touch down it, I can't remember if it's been it must have been like attacked or just fallen apart over the years because like it's all like it's exposed to yeah, it's got kind of like uh, just like open walls in places you can see outer space. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And and you're running around, and there's just the, I think there's only like three or four enemies in the whole stage, but you never know what's coming around the next corner, and it's really creepy. And the music is pretty terrifying. Um, uh, yeah, I just I just remember that being really unsettling and disturbing. Even at 27 years old, it really creeped me out. Or uh, turn on a Mr. Pants mode in that game if you really want to be horrified. I still haven't tried that. I unlocked it, but oh, I didn't dude, try you it. got to! It's 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 just brilliant. <laughs> Every enemy is Mr. Pants. Pants is pants. <laughs> pants is pants. But oh, also um, the swamp area. I re- that was quite creepy. You know that you know the area where you find Floyd. Uh, it's a little hazy. It's been a while since I've played it. I think I kind of remember it vaguely. It's like the whole planet is like a, just a boggy, marshy kind of area. Yeah, yeah. The music's pretty... Not scary, but it's kind of unnerving. And you get some... That's your first encounter with a lot of the tougher enemies. And you can kind of get your ass handed to you a few times. So... Hmm. Um, yeah, but Jet Force as a whole, there's a lot of scary moments, but I think they most of the time it's balanced quite well with the cartoony kind of like sort of like it's self-aware of how bizarre it all is. Yeah. Whereas the space station that actually felt genuinely creepy. 
Imagine if they made it like a live action movie though, without the cartoony factors to it. Wouldn't that just be the most horrifying movie ever? Yeah, I wouldn't want to see that movie. I think with the tri- with the creepy looking tribals, with the huge eyes, and then all all the bad guys are gigantic eye ants with guns <laughs> shooting at you. <laughs> I, I I would watch it. Yeah, that'd be cool. It would never happen in a million years, you know. The fact we've only just gotten the Assassin's Creed movie in production. And that's been one of the biggest franchises of the past ten years. Yeah. So, I, you got a Ratchet and Clank movie coming out too. Yeah, I, I, I've never actually played Ratchet and Clank, but I, I heard good things oh. about them. Yeah, you're missing out, dude. If, especially that. Um, I think during the time um, after the buyout, when I was kind of just really sad by the whole thing, um, the Ratchet and Clank games got me through it the most because there's a lot of there's a lot of parallels between. Uh, those games and rare games. Okay, well I'll check them out. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like if they took uh, if they took um, Jet Force Gemini and smashed it up with banjo. It's pretty much exactly what it is. <laughs> okay, well I'll, I'll check them out. I know there's a remake of the original game coming out alongside the movie, isn't there? Well, it's actually an entirely new game, but it's based off the movie, which is based off the first game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, my mate explained it to me. It's and the trailer doesn't the trailer actually poke fun of it? It's like the yeah, game's it's based like the on best, the movie, the... based on the game. Yeah, pretty much. So it's it follows basically it's going to follow the same plot as the first game, but and go to the same locations, but all the levels will be different. Okay, okay. Well, I'll check. Maybe I should check out the original first. It's probably still on the. Probably download it on PSN on the PS3. So, um, I would if you're gonna. My advice for starting, even though you're kind of in the middle of the story, would be uh, a crack in time, a uh, Ratchet and Clank a crack in time, which I think is my just. It's just the best in the series. Okay. And I wouldn't say to start with the first one because just because well, it's not as good as the others because they hadn't really it controls differently than the rest of them, mm. so it might kind of put you off it. But I don't know. I liked um, Up Your Arsenal. It was really good. That was for PS2. And the P- the Tools of Destruction was all right. It just wasn't as memorable. But A Crack in Time is, in my opinion, a masterpiece. It's one of my, it's if you I don't know if I would call it a platformer, but it it's definitely has tons of those elements. And it also has some really cool uh, mind-boggling puzzles. <laughs> as well, which the other games didn't really have, and it feels more like a complete uh, variety of gameplay and more uh, of a complete package than the others in the series. Okay, well, I'll, ch- I'll check that out, dude, uh, when I get a chance. I've got a lot to play through at the moment, so it might be yeah. <laughs> maybe in the new year after all the winter releases. I know. Yeah. We've got freaking Fallout 4 in, like, a week or two. Yeah. So... Good. Well, I've knocked three games off. My, like November originally, it was four big releases for me, but three of them aren't even happening now because um, both Star Fox got delayed. Battlefront, I'm not getting that because of the season pass costing more than the game. <laughs> uh, did you know about that? Yeah, the, it was more. Well, I think it's. I don't think it's like that in North America. I think it's ten dollars less than the game in North America. Over here, I think the game's forty pounds and the season pass is forty-five pounds. Yeah, they EA has been pulling that same thing with the Battlefield series for years. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not. It's I'm ridiculous. not touching it because I don't agree with that practice. You know, so I I might pick it up 
later. I have to wait to the reviews because I don't trust EA at all. They release broken games with ridiculously expensive season passes. It's like the graphics look really cool. <laughs> but at the same time, a game is going to add nothing to the greater Star Wars lore. No. It's just it's just replaying multiplayer excuse me, multiplayer areas from the movies. Yeah. It's so I don't know. I'm much more excited for um they're working on a Star a, a Star Wars game uh, featuring the uh, a former uh writer from the Uncharted series, Amy Henning, who's kind of one of the big creative people behind that and she's uh jump ship to uh, work on a a new Star Wars game. Mm. And that I'm actually really excited. We don't know anything about that yet, but I'm kind of completely getting off topic again. Because <laughs> <laughs> clearly I just want to talk about Star Wars all the time lately, yeah. which isn't really my fault. It's Star Wars fever. It, it comes around once every few years, and, you know, you just, just got to embrace it sometimes. Yeah, I agree with that. But in the <laughs> meantime, we've got Donkey Kong 64 to cover. That is true. And Wrinkley's Rotting Corpse. Yeah, how weird is it that they killed off <clears throat> a main character, a, a good guy, uh, possibly the most selfless, kindest character in the series, <laughs> and they just <laughs> killed her off? Well, she was really old, so It says Cranky, and he's still kicking ass. <laughs> yeah, now he's, like, jumping around levels and stuff. But I, d- I don't know. I just think... Maybe... Cr- Sorry, go on. Said maybe Cranky like actually off Wrinkly. It's like some terrible domestic abuse well, that's, slash murder. That's the thing. DK Vine theory, isn't it? They actually they genuinely think he killed her. I didn't know that. I hadn't I hadn't seen. I that, can't remember what the reason it was behind it, but there's like some big conspiracy theory, and there's a re- like they think Cranky actually murdered her. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I tell you what, though, that moment I, I, it's got to be the first moment as a child where I completely lost it and was in tears of laughter. At a rare game, because it's like I guess I was just at the right age where I could appreciate how warped the humor was. The first <laughs> time you hit a wrinkly door and she pops out and she just says, "Hey, I died since Donkey Kong Country 3. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I wish there was more explanation. Yeah, it's like, just like, who was your murderer? I died. Oh, I know this is going back to the cranky thing, but what if cranky? was like having what if like Cranky and Wrinkle, Wrinkly were like married or some shit and then uh, he married. had an affair with Can? oh were they I forgot about that yeah. okay and then he was cheating on her with Candy the whole time maybe no because you know she just saved uh, his game so much better than Wrinkly <laughs> ever could <laughs> <laughs> and then they conspired to murder well, Wrinkly well ironically together. <laughs> Candy doesn't charge to save your game even though people consider her to be a prostitute. <laughs> she charges for musical instruments, though. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, she shows eight-year-old girls how to play with her instrument, so... Yeah. <laughs> in that. Um. I know, she's just, like, hits on every Kong that visits her. She's been speaking of, like, horrible things with Donkey Kong 64, or, like, horror spooky-based things. She pretty much hits on everyone, and I'm pretty sure she's a pedophile. Yeah, she said, what was it? Come a little closer, Tiny. I'll show you how to play with your instrument. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, but actual creepy areas, I, I 
personally think um, Gloomy Galleon and obviously Creepy Castle. Um, are there any that you think, aside from those two? Um, the Donkey Kong arcade machine and being forced to play it. Oh, but that was fun. <laughs> No, no, it was fun after I got the golden banana. It wasn't fun getting the Nintendo coin. Yeah, you loved it. No. <laughs> and I think a lot of that whole factory level was kind of creepy. Um, just with all the random mechanical things and all the lights. And maybe just being really impressive at that time, too, seeing all the different dyma- dynamic lighting at that time. It was really neat, but at the same time a little bit kind of creepy. Yeah, that's true. Because we weren't used to it. That's true, yeah. Um, it was probably visually the most impressive level in the game possibly um yeah but I think Gloomy Gallum was probably the at, probably actually the creepiest level in the game for me like yeah especially the underwater bits when you would uh, like have to go in all the different doors underwater yeah um yeah, that that was kind of creepy because you couldn't really see what was ahead of you very, very well yeah so you were just kind of like swimming blindly in the dark trying to find the damn golden banana <laughs> You get to explore the um, the different sections of the sunken, ga- uh, like, Kremlin ships, and just the music as well. I actually think that's one of Grant's most underrated pieces. A lot of the music in DK sixty four is kind of underrated. Yeah, but especially that one. Yeah. Like, did you hear the 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 sort of studio version that was in Rare Replay, the the Dream version? Uh, I haven't unlocked. Maybe oh I think I have unlocked that one. Yes I did. Yes, yes I have. Yeah, that's brilliant that is. Mm-hmm. All all the all the dream music sounds really good and it really makes me kinda of wish that that game had came out as well as Banjo. Yeah. But I guess we have Sea of Thieves. But just like the atmosphere and mood you get from listening to that music just sounds like it would have been a really interesting game. I know what you mean, especially if it was on the snares as well. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a good swan song. Yeah. Um, then we could have had an actual SNES game in a uh, rare replay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Creepy Castle was scary as well, but like a lot of it was a bit too forced. Like they were trying to be creepy. I think Grant's score again was excellent, but I don't think I can't actually think of anything that was overly creepy. Funnily enough, yeah, I remember it as being one of the more unmemorable levels of the whole game didn't really like it that much mm. uh, like when I remember the good levels I remember the um, shoot what's the name of the fungus place oh fungi forest fungi forest yes like fungi forest I loved I loved I loved the crystal caves a lot of the other places are just really memorable and that just kind of seemed a little bit generic in comparison to some of the others but I, I like the theory I read on DK Vine that Creepy Castle is the the peak of Crocodile Isle sticking out of the ocean because <clears throat> at the bottom of Creepy Castle there's loads of trees. It's like a wooded area and as you climb up it's like a keep. So geographically it it fits in with the um, you, you know the top of of uh, the of Krem- the Kremlin was it Crocodile Isle? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, that's a good theory. I mean, I don't think Ray intended it like that, but I like that fanon, that it, the, the peak of Crocodile Isle is sticking out of the ocean now. 
Poor Crocodile Isle. <laughs> it's like all well, those people they murdered sinking that island. Genocide. Oh, yeah, we should have mentioned that with DKC2. Like, the fact that the two main heroes commit genocide. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Family-friendly Nintendo games, folks. <laughs> um, anything you want to hit on DK64, or are you a bit burnt out on DK now? Yeah, let's let's move on. we still got quite a few to get through. Okay. Perfect Dark, next. I mean, the whole thing is, like, sci-fi horror game. Especially the later levels with the Skeetar... Yeah. My. Um, <clears throat> I think. I think. Is it Chicago, the streets level near the start of the game? Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of unsettling because it's so. Well, it's, it's probably the most different level in the game because it's, it's quite a small area, but you have to do a specific number of things in a certain order. It's very easy to fuck up the mission. Um, and I thought. I guess again, not really creepy, but it was quite like tense uh, and maybe quite anxious playing it because it was so easy to screw things up. Yeah, that's true. And the music was the... really weird as well, really quite eerie. Yeah, that that and I think any level with Mr. Blonde in it, Mr. Blonde was pretty unnerving as well, especially once you found out what he was. Wasn't he a Skedar? Yeah, he's basically like a Skedar in human form. Oh yeah. So, it's been a while yeah. since I played through Perfect Dark. Actually. I think I don't think I played through the campaign since 2010. Oh man, you got to do it. Got rare replay now. Yeah, but I already had the sta- enough achievements for the stamp, so I just kind of skipped that one. It's still such a good game, though. Like I, I I've never gotten tired of that game. Mm. Even playing it all these years later, it's still just as much fun as it was back then. Yeah. Um, is there anything in the game, like aside from the Skedar, as you previously mentioned, anything that sticks out for you? Or I don't know, to me, I guess it's more kind of action sci-fi than horror sci-fi. Yeah, it's, it's, it's action sci-fi, but I think in the last couple levels, it kind of like uh, goes into the horror sci-fi genre a little bit more, especially the... Um, Ah, uh, what's the name of that level? Um, the one with all the guys in red overalls. Oh, that one was that, yeah. That's when it starts to get... The vibe starts to change a little bit more. And then like the missions after that, um, too, where you have the where you have the far sight and you have to shoot the Skeetar through the walls as they come towards you and stuff like that. It definitely starts to feel a little bit more like a horror game. Yeah. But, so, like, I'll just say la- last... Two or three levels of uh, Perfect Dark are probably the best um, standout as spooky levels. Um, yeah, okay. Well, um, I think we can move on from that. Uh, I can't really think of anything else to add. Because it's yeah. been a while, so it's not really, there's not really much I can add because it's been so long since I played through it properly. Banjo-Tooie, which I'm trying to remember something that was scary in this, unless you're talking about the big cool guy <laughs> well no the whole game was very very dark in tone like within the first 10 minutes of the game the nicest character from the original gets flat out fucking murdered <laughs> yeah that's true um, and then and then you like lie to his family oh no no <laughs> you don't just lie to his family you take glee in lying like Kazooie she's so desperate to save something and it's like um and then she makes she's taking the piss like 
the, 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 was it Specky, one of his kids, is like, oh, yeah. I can't wait to play with Dad. And Kazooie's like, yeah, I don't think he's going to be playing today. <laughs> and I love, I don't know if you did this. Um, I didn't do it on my first playthrough. It was like a few years later. If you keep clicking on the characters, the dialogue changes every time and it gets worse and worse. And it gets to the point where Kazooie says to one of the kids, what would you say if we told you your dad was murdered this morning? And he's like, what? And he's like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I did that once. That's, that's so terrible. She's such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> There's part of the charm with these games, too, is that they're really, the heroes are really kind of terrible people. <laughs> like, Banjo's just lazy, and Kazooie is a complete bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But you know, Kazooie isn't really red, don't you? You know, Scrap's theory. Oh, uh, do I want to know? Basically, Banjo <laughs> fucked her so hard when she was on her period that the period blood dyed her whole body. That's Scrap's theory. <laughs> I didn't want to know that. That's that's horrible. <laughs> of course Scraps would come up with something I think like that, that was it anyway. I know it's something to do with period blood. Uh Okay. All right. Now that's probably more disturbing than anything we could cover in this whole episode. Yes, uh, we could probably end now because there's nothing more we can say that's going to be worse than that. <laughs> um, we could probably end the whole show now because there's no way we'll ever get an interview. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I just I just picture like Adam Park or someone listening, and they're just like, "Well, that's it, lads. Never listening to these guys again." <laughs> <laughs> um. So. I guess you got uh, the witchy world area as well. Has the, it's got like a spooky section, hasn't it? Like the 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 hall of mirrors, or, or is it like the oh, the like yeah, show? the caverns where it's got like all the different characters like imprisoned. Which is so brilliant like... the way they, <clears throat> again, it's going back to the way Banjo sets up its world. Like you've got what is it, three or four different, completely different jiggy objectives, all sort of smashed together under the framework of this hall of freaks like you've got like one of the is it one of the stone men one of the men from the the prehistoric level is stuck in the cage or one of the no sorry one of the dinosaurs the sick dinosaurs is there and then you've got Gobi the camel and then you've got a Jinjo yeah it was really cool I know it's such a just a random collection of people (laughs) Well, the first time I got there, I didn't know how to break them out, and I just left them there. <laughs> I had to come back later because I couldn't figure out the move I needed to do. Yeah. Or was it like the grenades or something? I think there's a few ways you could do it. I think you can use grenades. Um, I think there's another way, but I can't remember. I only remember the grenade, so if there was another way, I never figured it out. Um, and then after... Uh, Jolly Roger Bay, I think, got a little bit creepy when you got really, really deep into the ocean. Because you had, like, Atlantis, and then you had, like, the deep depths where you got towards where uh, Davy Jones' locker was. (laughs) My locker. (laughs) Um, Yes. It got a bit... And that boss itself was quite creepy because... um, Oh yeah, those undersea fish look like they've stepped out of horror, horror movies. Yeah, and then, like, you shoot... You shoot the boss and like the boils explode and blood pours out. It's quite, I don't know how they got away with that. Like, 
I know. I remember during that time, I was like wondering, you know, okay, does the ESRB even like you know review these? Well, games, they don't play the or... games. Do you know how it actually works? Yeah, no. They just basically they have to they, they get the company supposed to disclose what's in it, and then they send them like a reel of footage. Yeah. So yeah, I know, and it's had. I know there's some like really weird situations where the same game is rated a different rating on the on different platform just because of the footage they shown was different or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, trying to think what else. Uh, Grunty Industries, there wasn't really anything scary. It was more just... Um, oh, I'll tell you what was actually quite horrific. Do you remember George and Mildred? Uh, remind the me. The Ice Cube couple, where the Mildred is the Ice Cube in How Five Peaks Icy Side, and um, her husband George got lost. Uh, no, he got. I think he got swept up in a tornado or something. And you find him in Cloud Cuckoo Land, and <laughs> okay, and he asks you to push him off the edge. Like he says, "Give me a bash," so he falls back to the Isle of Hags. And he said, "Right, um, I need to get back to Mildred." We're directly above Hellfire Peak, so just give me a push. And then he says, I'm pretty sure we're above the icy side, dot, dot, dot. And then oh. you knock him, <laughs> and then he falls into the um, the fire side. But it's really dark the way it plays out. Like, it just cuts to the scene of him falling towards the lava, and he's like, the dialogue comes up, and it's like, no, I got it wrong, no. And then you just see him melt it to death. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I don't. I don't remember that. I I need to finish my uh, playthrough of Banjo Tooie again. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. I, I, I kind of fizzled off on that one because it just. I don't know. I just didn't get net me enough stamps off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to get back on that. Which at some point but now there's freaking Fallout's going to take Halo over five. Or, I know. Um. And one other point I think was it wasn't scary, but as a kid, this like totally grossed me out. Um, after you kill Grunty at the end, and you're playing football with her head. I just thought that was really disturbing, and then <laughs> her eyeball just falls out, and it's got that sound effect where it goes like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Like the yeah, banjo should have should never have been um, E or I don't know what. What the Peggy uh, equivalent of E is? Oh, well, it was back then. It was Alsper. It wasn't Peggy, but it got oh, it okay. got rated eleven plus in this country. So it was like the equivalent hmm. of teen over here. Oh, okay, that seems more accurate to what it was. <laughs> I remember Banjo Tooie and Majora's Mask both got eleven plus because I, I was like eleven or twelve at the time, and I was like, "Ooh, thank God!" <laughs> just you know, if they came out a couple of years earlier. My parents are really strict back then. They probably wouldn't have let me get them. So, which, <laughs> talking about age ratings, that takes us to the next game. Conqueror's Bad for a Day. Which, yeah, the whole thing is pretty horrifying, to be honest. We have a lot of material from this one. Um, do you want to, do you want to talk a bit more about this one, or? Um... Yeah, this whole game is pretty much just a series of one horrible, despicable thing happening after another. Um, I mean, we have we have the catfish getting murdered by the dogfish. We have oh 
the, the cog scene was is still really disturbing. <laughs> go on. Oh my god. There. Oh, go on, conquer. Right on to the other one. I know. I, I just feel like I'm being complicit to rape or something when I do that. I'm like, oh, this is wrong. This is horrible. Right, um, right in the fucking hole. Oh, God. I think the most disturbing scene uh, in that whole game, though, was was when you uh, basically, you you know, the baby dinosaur, that you hatch him and then get him all the way over to this altar and then you sacrifice him to the caveman's god. Oh, yeah. That was... Oh, I just I just felt like shit doing that. Like, oh, they're not going to make Mama. me do this. <laughs> that was just terrible. <laughs> um, well, I suppose the first, like, actual, like, you know, because the first half of the game is pretty kind of, you know, just joke. It, it, it's it's horrific, you know, to see these kind of like childhood, you know, this kind of Tex Avery style cartoon characters being completely vulgar, um, and you know, but you know, this was post South Park, so it wasn't completely, you know, off the charts. But then later on in the game, the game started to take itself a little bit more seriously, and. I think the start of the nighttime sections, we got a a kind of really interesting uh, spooky chapter. Yeah, the whole game just started to feel like a different game at that point. Yeah, which is one of the things I liked about Contaker initially was like it it changed substantially almost with every chapter, and all of a sudden, I was instead of playing a platformer, I was playing like a almost like a survival horror game third-person shooter with a shotgun just blowing up these cartoon animal zombies. <laughs> oh, and the bat part, where you basically have to go kidnap villagers and throw them into a grinder to feed this other vampire plant blood. Yeah, it's so sort of... Like, these innocent villagers that you just go and you, like, shit on them to capture them, like, to slow them oh, yeah. down. And then you pick them up and you drop them in and and yeah the whole point is to overfeed him so he falls into the grinder and yeah oh god it's all but then after that you've got probably one of the most tense moments of the game where you've got to collect all three keys and like to unlock the door but like there's no checkpoints until you've done the whole thing yeah that that's still where I'm stuck in Rare Replay is that part oh. <laughs> I haven't got past it yet it's actually not that hard when you know the route it's not hard it's just a bit annoying um, it was a lot, lot, lot harder in Live and Reloaded because in the N64 version, there's probably like 25 enemies in the whole area. In Live and Reloaded, there's like 150. They're just There's enemies oh, wow. everywhere. They flooded the hall with them. So you really have to like sweep up the whole area before you even attempt to get the keys. I really hope they put uh, Live and Reloaded on the replay or somewhere I can play it at some point. Um, so, uh, so I, I just still wanted to pick up an older Xbox just to play that one game, and I still kind of want to experience it. Mm. I mean, don't forget, I do keep reminding you, you could just get a 360 if that's a little cheaper to get hold of. I, I, I know, either one I could get. Mm. It's just, a lot of this too is that I'll have another, I already have three consoles hooked up to my TV right now. <laughs> only it's a little bit only excessive. Only three? I've got like yeah. eight in my t- just just in my room alone. I've got the Wii, the Wii U, 
the 360, the X-Bone, the PS3, the PS4, the PS2, and the N64. <laughs> well, congratulations. But, now, I, I don't have... Unless I get like a bigger setup, I don't have a place to put them, really. And my receiver, my re- sound receiver only has four inputs. Like, I theoretically could just, you know, skip past the receiver and mess with my settings and put them directly to the TV, but I don't know. Mm. I don't see, having more than four things hooked up to my TV just doesn't seem like it would get used enough for it to really be worth it. Okay. Well, fair enough. Um, so, uh, yeah, the spooky chapter kind of ends after you, yeah, you, you, you get out of the mansion and then you return to uh, Willow Woods and um, then you head into the war chapter, which is actually, in a way, it's, I'd say it's more horrific than the spooky chapter. Yeah. The opening scene to the most famous part, of course, is the uh, D-Day parody from Saving Pri- Private Ryan, where they basically recreate the horrific scene with, uh, you know, stuffed teddy bears and squirrels. But what's brilliant about it is it's still quite moving. Strangely enough, it's not completely tongue-in-cheek, where you do actually feel for Conker, and there's quite a bit of emotion in that scene. Yeah, and this just kind of goes with the whole like sudden, serious tone that the game starts to take on yeah. the longer it goes. I mean, through the Matrix parody and all that, when... Barry dies, and then they have the alien parody. It just starts to go into movie parody after movie parody, each one getting more darker until Conker finally realizes that he has anything he could possibly want, but it, it, nothing means shit because he doesn't have Barry. Yeah, it's very touching, which is and depressing. Yeah, I mean that's probably the most uh, touching moment of any rare game. I think when Barry dies, and then when Conker reflects on it later, and I mean, God, that moment when. Um, when he gets back to the throne room and the game program has disappeared and he's like, oh shit, I should have asked for Barry to come back. Yeah. Aw, yeah. It's uh, definitely brilliant and like unlike anything you really expect to see in a video game. The moment that really punched me in the stomach when I first played it, um, don't forget the first version I played was live and reloaded, so this was like 2005. Um the post credit scene where he leaves the bar and he goes he looks both ways just like the start of the game and he goes the correct way so like he would have you know as in like at the start of the game he goes the wrong way so he doesn't go home to Barry and he ends up getting you know starts a whole sequence of events yeah but yeah at the end of the game he actually takes the he looks left and right and then he goes the correct direction this time it's just something about that it just really hit me it's really sad. Yeah. Poor Conker. Such a sad game. <laughs> Poor Conker. Maybe one day people will love him again. Maybe. <laughs> well, all his friends left him in, uh, in Conker's big reunion. So it sounds like his life's just gotten worse. <laughs> and then Conker's big reunion got cancelled, so we never got to see the payoff. Aw, poor Conker. <laughs> Alright, well, we've already hit the two-hour mark, so we'd want to like hit on Ghoulies and sundown really quickly before you get final thoughts yeah I mean funnily enough even though it is the most horror centric rare game I don't know if I actually have a whole lot to say about Ghoulies because kind of 
I mean, we've talked about it here and there over the last few weeks. Um, and I'm thinking, like, to really do this justice, we really need to do a proper Ghoulie spotlight so we can go in-depth on, like, every aspect of the game. Yeah. And it's really difficult to pick, like, creepy moments out of the game that is entirely centered around that concept. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, play the whole thing. There you go, one creepy moment. <laughs> well, I think it's a combination between that and the fact that me and you have both only played it for the first time this year. I think you kind of need to play it through a couple of times before you can really start sort of picking it apart piece by piece. Yeah, I definitely need to hit up all those challenges. I haven't done them yet. Uh-huh. And find all the rare books. I mean, should we maybe both pick a single standout moment and then leave the rest for like a future spotlight? Uh, sure. You go first, because I can't think of anything <laughs> at the top of my head. <laughs> um, to me, it's anything involving death, like the Grim Weeper. Um, mm-hmm. When he appears and the music just stops, and you've got that really, really creepy breathing, and I'm like... <gasps> it's like, it's not like cartoony. It actually sounds like a guy struggling to breathe, and it really just sends shivers down my spine. <laughs> Yeah, I I think I'd have to agree with that too, especially when you're being chased by him and you're just trying desperately to get to the door before he catches up with you because he goes a little bit faster. So you're just trying to like take little diagonal ways through the room to try to slow him down a little bit and get to that door before he catches up. Yeah, Yeah, so that's you you definitely nailed it with that one. Alright then, cool. Okay, so yeah, we're both both scared of the Grim Reaper, but if you (laughs) want to hear more about... um, Cooper and the other characters. Is it Amber? <laughs> oh, Amber, yeah. Um, but oh, 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 a quick shout out to Baron Von Gaul. We can't go without mentioning him. <laughs> and this, I love his little plane oh, thing with his legs sticking up. God, <laughs> it was. So, I can't believe I went twelve years without playing that man. Like that last boss is fucking amazing. It kind of made me think of uh, the gun fried horse for some reason. Yeah. It's because it was the same kind of ridiculous idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just see flying around in his bedroom with this actual, you know, it is an actual plane. It's flying. It's not like he's just, oh, God, <laughs> it was brilliant. I know. It was ridiculous and awesome. The Baron. And, and people need to give that game a shot. Definitely. Stop the hate. Just because there's an Xbox logo on the top of the game case doesn't mean it's bad. God, well, I got into a bit of an argument the other day on Facebook where, um, on uh, the Rare Treehouse thing, that fan group, where someone posted something to do with Ghoulies. It might have been David Wong, actually. And then, like, two or three people replied straight away saying, if Nintendo had made this, it would have been a lot better. They're like, oh, my God, this got so shit because it was moved to the Xbox. And I was like, Guys, have you even played it? Like, I didn't touch it till this year, and it's a brilliant game. Like, what are you talking about? What would Nintendo have changed? Um, yeah, it, it probably would have been worse, actually, because it probably would have had less dev time. Yeah. It probably would have been put out earlier. And would, I mean, I'm, I shouldn't have, used the word, shouldn't have used the word worse. It wouldn't have been not as good as it had at the end. Yeah. I can't really think of much that they would have added to it. It's certainly better than Luigi's Mansion, which is Nintendo's kind of take on the same thing. Um, I, know, I do really like Luigi's Mansion. I don't know if I'd say it's better. I, it's more charming, but... I think there's more replay value for it. I, I, I would like to play Ghoulies again. I don't think I would 
really want to play Luigi's Mansion through again, though. Mm. So after you figure out how to do everything, it becomes less fun. I don't get why Luigi's Mansion is like one of the biggest games on the speedrunning scene these days. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, like, Luigi's if Mansion. If you go on Twitch, there's fucking there's always about fifteen or sixteen high-profile twi- twi- uh, Twitchers playing it every day. Hmm. Honestly, and there's this guy. I can't remember his name. I haven't twitched much for a while, but there's this guy I follow. He's quite. He's he's got like fucking two hundred fifty thousand followers on there, and um, he like every day. This was like back in June, July, so it might have moved on a bit now. But every day he'd kind of alternate between Sunshine, Mario Kart sixty four, and Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> well I guess whatever floats his boat yeah it's, it's a fun game but to me I guess Luigi's Mansion is just a little bit too simple for a fun speed it's not like you know like Mario 64 you really break the game whereas Luigi's Mansion it's like you're still basically following the same path every time yeah I I, I couldn't really see how you'd even shave that much time off of it. Oh, there are ways. And it, 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 oh, I'm sure there's ways. It's fun to watch a couple I've... of times, but... Yeah. Alright, uh, so anyway, do you want to talk about uh, was it Sundown real quick before... Yeah. Let's... We... Now, Sundown, This was this the one... Uh... Zombie game, the horror game that Rare... Ne- never made, but tried to make. Yeah. And they had that little bit of um, creative jam footage where someone tried to bring it back to life, and then they showed like all that concept art. I thought it looked really cool. I, I would have kind of interesting to see um, Rare branch out to a game like that, just because they hadn't really done anything like that since like Perfect Dark and Killer Instinct, where they kind of make something really dark and serious. Well, I, I never understood why it was um, why it was cancelled, or was this during the connectification of Rare? I would imagine so, because it seems like all the projects seem to have been like around that time. Yeah, like they had all these really cool ideas, and then they all just went away. <laughs> yeah, like Sundown, the Fast and the Furious, Tailwind. Oh, what was the other one? Oh, the, the one with the big spider. Yeah, mech. I can't remember the name, but yeah, it was a spider thing. Um, yeah, a cameo two as well. Cameo two, and all these games looked awesome and looked like rare, really branching out into new things in a good way. Mm. And then we got Connect Sports <laughs> instead. Uh, Tailwind, to be honest, though, that kind of just looked like a more you know it could have been like a rare version of Pilot Wings. Like, yeah, it could could have been. I think it would, I'm sure it would have been really fun. I, I mean, it's hard to really tell from like the brief prototype footage where it eventually would have gone, because all of them was they showed looked really early. I'm sure it would have been fun, but like what I'm saying is, out of all those games, that was the loss that bothers me the least. If you get what I mean? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's understandable. Like, yeah, all the all the other ones looked really cool. Yeah. Oh, Black Widow. That was the name of. Um, Oh yeah, yeah, that one was cool. Black Widow. That one looked so yeah. pretty. Looked like a lot of fun. Uh, scaling. I wish they would have shown some more of uh, Perfect Dark Core, which is one that I've been really curious about for the longest time. 
And you know, we have this few leaked animations and stuff, and I'm kind of wondering how far they got with that. Wasn't Chris C- Hang on, are we going to make- Wasn't Chris Siever thrown onto that project for a while, and he didn't really want to do it, but he was made to do that? Yeah, it was something like that. Like, they... I don't know if he was, like, forced to do it. I think he was asked to do it, and he was like... Then he was just like, well, okay. So it sounded like... It's hard to really tell with Chris Siever, because, well, he is kind of a genius. I kind of get the vibe from him that he's very kind of negative person sometimes. Yeah. So it's hard to really tell. Um, so I, I don't think he's the best person to really go to when you want to understand um, the environment of Rare because he seems to kind of take a negative look at things regardless. Yeah. And when you look at other people who were there at the same time, they a lot of times what they say is entirely different than from what Chris said. <laughs> so it's no disrespect to Chris at all, but I, I just get the feeling that he's a little, he's a little bit... Uh, you know, glass half full type of yeah. guy. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I get what you mean. Yeah, it is true. Um, well, look, I think we should wrap this up now. Anyway, it's getting pretty late over here, and I think it's about time I went trick or treating. Yeah, the sun's starting to go down, so I, I could start getting some doorbell rings. <laughs> uh, are you going? Are you doing anything tonight, dude? Are you going to a Halloween party or? Um. Well, what I'm going to do is probably run to the store, buy some candy for the trick-or-treaters, and then just make sure this episode gets online. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably about it. Yeah, I'm, I've kind of, well, over here it's like nearly 9pm, and I've got work at 6am, and I've got a few things I want to get finished tonight, so... Um, so, what's cool though, tomorrow night I'm going to finally get to play Halo 5 for more than 10 minutes, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, but right now, I think yeah, I don't really care about Halloween anyway. It's just just another day to me. Yeah, it it can sometimes be fun if you like have a cool costume. And I've had some fun on it when whenever worked places that let you dress up, and then I'll just I would always come up with something really weird and borderline inappropriate. Yeah. Like <laughs> not always though. I remember once I dressed up as. Um, another co-worker and just kind of like made fun of them i would do weird things like that i would never do the normal thing that i was supposed to do well yeah i guess that makes it fun see if i yeah. if i wasn't working so much this weekend if it wasn't so busy because like the manager's off i guess uh i may have a little bit more fun with it like i, I went i've been to a few halloween parties in the past they're cool I, yeah maybe i'm just a bit down on it because i know i can't do anything because my schedule's too tight this weekend so i'm just trying not to think about it so I've got nothing to miss. Although I say try not to think about it, I did just record two hours about scary games. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so any final thoughts, mate? Um, uh, please be back next time. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to say, like, uh, I've enjoyed some of these moments throughout the Rare games. I think it's good that you've always got, like, within each game... They can be such a blend of different genre, and horror seems to be one they come back to quite often. It's been a little while, um, like, their 360 output, we couldn't really think of anything to talk about. Maybe a couple of things from Perfect Dark Zero, but even then, it's... Yeah, I'm thinking we're going to get some of that in Sea of Thieves, though. I mean, just looking at that trailer with the skeletons rising out of the ground and shit. That's, yeah. I, I think we're going to get some cool moments for sure. And I, 
and Krakens. And I hope Platonic, uh, sorry, I hope Ukulele's got some kind of creepy area, even if it's only a sub area of another level. I'd love to see like uh, that team do their take on a creepy, creepy stage. Well, 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 dude, the new Jingos are uh, ghosts. Yeah, the yeah, ghost the riders. Ghost so we got that already. So I get the feeling there's going to be probably more along that line if they already have some ghost characters in yeah. it. All right then. Well, yeah, I think that about does it for this week. Um, be sure to uh, check out the YouTube channel uh, either right now or very soon for Who Wants to Be a Million Rare Episode One. And um, yeah, just keep it cool, lads. <laughs> You'll have a happy Halloween. Don't take mysterious candy from strangers. Be safe, kids. Take care.